Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Channel, where every Friday we'll be covering a new installment in the classic horror franchise. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. Take a little walk to the edge of town and go across the track Where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom as a ship Go to weirdgeeks.com to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details, and news on our very own feature films, albums, and shorts that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced, and no infringement is intended. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Geeks. 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 Hello and welcome back to the Weird Geeks Horror Show, where every single Friday we take you through another installment in a classic retrospective franchise. I'm your host, Al White, and joining me throughout all of the screen movies is Alexander Chard. Hi, my name's Alexander Chard. <laughs> Christina Masterson. Hi, my name's Christina Masterson. <laughs> oh my God, who are you being? <laughs> is that Sarah Michelle Gellar? <laughs> no, it was supposed to be Minnie Mouse. Oh, well, that was good. My favorite actress in the Scream 2 films. All right, so we are here. We're in Scream 2, a second episode in this retrospective. 1997, if you're in the US, came out in Christmas time. Or if you're in the UK, 1998. These are back in the days where we got everything. Do you remember those days, Alex? Where if you weren't living in America, you got everything a year later. Yeah, basically. I remember those delays. Yeah, it's funny. Wait a minute. So I should have looked up 1998, not 1997? No, no, no. We do it by the U.S. Okay. U.S. states, like the original, you know, release of a film. Okay, cool. In its home country, I would say, domestic market. That makes sense. That we should judge things. However, Always find this it hard year, when you get to end of your lists. This year, you had Jurassic World come out in the U.K. first, right? Oh yeah, fucking like um, nearly a month earlier. It was crazy. It's weeks the and weeks. The world and weeks. has turned upside down. We used to get Marvel films a week early, literally a week early, every single Marvel film, which I never understood, and they only turned it around for Infinity War because they didn't want spoilers. Very strange. Don't know why. Anyway, strange. what are we talking about? Scream 2. Budgeted this time at $24 million, which is more money than last time, and starring some people, but we're going to get to that in a second. Let's get into some landscape. Uh, just to remind people, though, yeah, I've seen this many, many times. Alex, you have seen this before, right? Yeah, so I've, again, but my memory was very non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even remember your memory. I could only remember bits of it, and what going into it, what I thought was the ending turned out not to be the ending. Nice, you were surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, halfway through I was like, oh, actually, I remembered it wrong and could sort of piece it together. But no, I still was surprised, actually. We'll get to it, we'll get to it. Okay, I've never seen this one. I've never seen Scream 2 or any of the other ones. Only Scream 1, the original. Okay. Good. So we've got a good... Good mix yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I should say, budgeted $24 million. It made $172 million. Wow. Peanuts. Peanuts. <laughs> Could do better. <laughs> and it came out under a year after the first one, but we'll get to all that in a second. Let's look at the landscape of the year. So we're looking at 1997. We do like to start these podcasts by checking out what other films were happening in that year. Christina. Do you have the top 10 worldwide box office? Yes, I do. So number Ooh. 10, we have The Full Monty. Oh. British was, classic. Uh, it is a British classic. It's got one of my favorite songs of all time. Come up and see me. Make me smile. I'll, 
Is that how it goes? That's literally how it, the song is. No, no melody. Just I don't recognize it. <laughs> Number nine. We got a great one. The Fifth Elements. Oh. Yes. Really, My really, really. Is it you, Al, that doesn't like that film? What? I'm the only person, yeah, I'm the only person who really hates this movie. <laughs> I thought so. But it has like, Mia Jovovich in it. Like, your silence gave it away. I was like, who was it that told but me they Al, don't like this film? <laughs> it has Mia Jovovich in it. How can you hate it? I don't think she can act. My problem was I loved Luc Besson and I love Leon, the professional, so much. And The Fifth Element came out after that. And it's so the opposite of Leon. Like, it was just so loud, so over the top. I yep. hate Chris Rock in it. I hate people shouting. Chris Tucker. <laughs> just in life. Chris Tucker, sorry. Yeah. I was like, so Chris I just, Rock's I in it? it? Nah, maybe I got to <laughs> rewatch this one. <laughs> uh, oh, every Chris is the same to me. That's Sorry, Al. Wrong this time. I'm in a massive minority. Everybody loves Fifth Element. I get it. I get it. But I think you can appreciate, like, it's such a different film from Leon. It's like, you know, it's just not. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's it's a massive leap. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Moving on. <laughs> we got number eight, which I confess I loved. I loved this movie when it came out and I watched it many times. My best friend's wedding. Is this a Julia Roberts one? Yeah. yeah and Katie, Dur- is Dermot Mulroney? Is that the cute guy? The cute guy? Uh, uh, sounds he, like a rabbit. I remember that. I know the guy's face that you're talking about. He was sort of big yeah, in that type he's of... Yeah, he's cute. He's so, so I- cute. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was going to ask what's the premise of that film, but you know what? I don't care. (laughs) It's in the title. It's in the title. (laughs) (laughs) When a woman's long-time friend reveals he's engaged, she realizes she loves him herself and sets out to get him with only days before the wedding. (laughs) We just lost our entire audience. (laughs) Okay, number seven. I'll move on quickly. Liar, liar. Jim Carrey. Yeah. on On his gradual fall from grace, I feel. Well, yeah, I remember this movie. I feel like this was the end of the physical mm-hmm. kind of comedies for him before he then he dropped into like Truman Show and Man on the Moon, Man on the Moon, and, and yeah, Eternal Sunshine. But I feel he partly did that because people were getting a bit sick of like, like by the time you got around, because critics loved Cable Guy, yeah, but the public weren't a big fan of it and stuff like. I feel like the public was starting to get a bit bored of him. Yep, the shtick was wearing. Hmm. Mm. Mm, mm. 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 Still making money though. <laughs> I oh, watched yeah. it. Number six, as good as it gets, with Jack Nicholson, Ooh, Helen I like Hunt, Greg Kinnear, yeah, like Cuba that. Gooding Jr. I don't think I've seen it since 1998, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I never I watched. Yeah, it. I never watched it. <laughs> it's been 20 years, but I remember kind of liking it. <laughs> Number five, we have a Harrison Ford movie. Can anybody guess what it is? Harrison Ford, 1980s, 98. And Gary Oldman. Huh? Something about hackers and a hackers? plane. Oh, and the president. Is it like, like Harrison Ford? Yes, like that. you got oh, it. Good job. God damn. God damn. <laughs> you lost. You know, have you seen they brought Jack Ryan back again for a third time? He's got like a TV show now or something with a new person playing him. Yeah, that's the one with John Krasinski, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Very weird. Okay, maybe you could get this one out. <laughs> uh, number Not. four. It has Pierce Bronson in it, Jonathan Price. Are you turning the box office into your own little quiz? Is that what's just happening? <laughs> it's, it's a Bond a film. Media mogul's 
plan to Tomorrow induce war dies. between. Yes, good job. You know how I know that? Because <laughs> I fucking I've never seen it, and I I hate <laughs> Bond. I've just listened to every single now playing episode of the Bond TV, <laughs> of the Bond movies, so I know a lot about all the Bond films right now. Wow, good job, good good and on you, good on you. And I've been watching a few. I still don't like Bond. <laughs> I never I never watched them. Still don't like them. Okay, so number three, we have the last uh, trivia or the last uh, guessing game I'm going to play with you guys. It is one of the first, so one of, well, the second one that dies in our film, Scream 2. She Ooh. dated him. Oh, no, she's married to him. I know it's her husband. did last summer. No. Ah. Jada Pinkett Smith's husband <laughs> is in this movie. Oh, no, wait. We did Independence Day was 96. It's, so it's a, a Will cut. Smith film. It's a Will Smith film. Yes, correct, oh, okay. correct, correct. Oh, what did he do after Independence Day the following year? Men in Black, was that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Good well, job. Oh. <laughs> Here come the Men yeah. in Black. <laughs> let's, just, let's just do this. Let's not talk about horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number two, we got the wor- Lost World Jurassic Park. Yeah. I watched people- that. So uh, a couple weekends ago, I'm... Um, Bethany's out of town, so I decided to watch all the Jurassic Park films. Dang. Good choice. <laughs> and, uh, Have you seen the new one, Lost Alex? World is awesome. I think that might be my favorite. Oh, my goodness, sir. We is need this... to have a separate conversation about this. because <laughs> Is this the first one? No, no it's, it's the second one. Okay. So it's so derived. Like, people fucking hate The Lost World. Like, it's absolutely... People really despise it. And, yeah, oh, people hate that movie. Like, it's really, really seen as one of the worst and one of Spielberg's worst films. And I was listening to some podcasts recently about it, actually, as well. And fucking people just hate that movie so much. I don't think it's and that I bad. And I always, I remember when it came out, I was always like, I think the first 40 minutes is terrible. Like, the setup is so contrived, mm-hmm. it's terrible. Yeah. But once they're on the island, I think it's brilliant. I think it's better than the first one, once they're on the island. And I went back to it recently as well. Like, just before I saw Fallen Kingdom, I went back and watched Lost World and Jurassic World. I didn't go back to three, but I do like three as well. Yeah, um, I watched three, you, you s- and this is a whole different... We're getting into a different podcast here. Because I was thinking, like, three, <laughs> I feel... And I guess maybe some elements of two, but mostly three feels very much like the template for the new films. Well, three is just a B-movie, which yeah. I'm totally fine with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a, it's a messy B-movie. I actually really enjoy it. I like Jurassic World. The only Jurassic Park film I do not like is the new one. Fallen Kingdom is the only one I don't like. So let's turn this now into a Jurassic Park <laughs> retrospective. No. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about this another time. That's right. I'm very happy that someone else likes Lost World. Yeah, I think it's great. What did we watch, Al, before we went to go watch the new one? Before we went to watch. Oh, yeah, of course. You saw it with me. Um, I forgot about that. Christina was in London. Stupid. With me. <laughs> we, went and saw we watched the Lost World. That's the one we watched beforehand. Oh, <laughs> This is this one that we're talking about. Oh, that's funny. So you could have joined in on this entire conversation. <laughs> oh, well. Is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> okay, number one, my favorite movie of all time, of all time, of all what? time is... What? No, you it's not it, my, my favorite movie. Wedding. But I do, I did love this growing up, Titanic. Oh, yeah. Mm. Hey, me, come on. It made a big impact on my childhood, on my teen years. Come on. It had a big impact on Christina's childhood. <laughs> Never mind all the people who died. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. It was, it was really the love story the for me, okay? Mm-hmm. It's all no, about- I mean, it's impossible to under- understate how big a film that was at the time. 
And I think the first CGI people I saw walking around on white shots of boats. Oh. There you go. If you watch it recently, they're really like terrible. <laughs> like little robots. <laughs> um, I haven't seen it in since. At Fox Studios in Australia, in Sydney, they used to have the Titanic ride. But what it was essentially was they had rebuilt a portion of the set and the ship. And you walk through it and it's like the evening of the the iceberg hitting and then it hits and then the whole thing rumbles and like these actor crew then start loading you into um lifeboats and you descend down and water sprays yeah it was what? pretty cool yeah that's, that's pretty crazy cool. i don't know kind it, of inappropriate yeah, yeah it is <laughs> yeah. when you realize that this really happened mm-hmm. oh boy uh, we're <laughs> actually going to talk about titanic again in a minute because it had some relevance to scream too before we get into that then, thank you very much, Christina, for the top 10 films of 1997. Alexander Chard, I believe you got some horror films, because there was zero horror, yep. unless you count Lost World as horror, which I think it is kid horror. Oh, wait, before so. we move on, uh, Scream oh, 2 made it at number 21 on the list. Ooh, 21. Okay. Just on the answer. Which, yeah, considering its budget. Yep. I'm not going to quiz you guys uh, as we go through this. Because we won't know any of it. I won't. <laughs> so first up is Alien Resurrection. Fourth Alien movie, the weird one done by the guys who directed, the French people who directed Delicatessen. Yep, uh, um, Jean-Pierre Jeunet, right? Yeah, I think so. The guy that did sure. Amelie, Say is that right? <laughs> yeah, did yeah. Amelie, Delicatessen. Um, do you do Amelie? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. You guys sound Literally so much cooler knows. when you have your French accents. <laughs> yeah, interesting film. Interesting. Yeah, film. it is. I, I too. I think. I think it's pretty, tra- pretty weird and bad film. But the aliens in it, I think, look fantastic. Mm-hmm. They're really good. You like? Half yeah, it is the director of Amelie. The alien human hybrid thing. Winona Ryder's in that movie. Yep. Yep. And Hellboy. Yep. As Hel- like actual Hellboy. As Hellboy. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> that was the it. surprise. That was a twist. Um, also that year, Anaconda. Ooh. Mm. Creature features. So clearly. Creature features were actually becoming a thing at this point, weren't they, I think? Because we had Arachnophobia, mm-hmm. Anaconda, Lake Placid. Yep. Other ones too. But the true effect of uh, the first Scream film is certainly not showing itself yet at this point in time. Well, we're under a year later. Let's yeah. be clear. That's, under yeah, a year true. later. That's true. <laughs> the Devil's Advocate. Mm. I was literally just talking about this yesterday with Katie in the car because she was saying, as uh, brought up in a Catholic world, this was the only horror film they were allowed to watch was The Devil's Advocate, which I was like, how are you allowed oh to watch God. this? Because Al Pacino plays the devil in it and he literally has a threesome with a mother and her daughter. Oh my God. <laughs> and you're like, that's the one you allow your kids to watch. <laughs> oh my God, that's I'm hilarious. Pretty, I'm sure I'm not waking up. <laughs> That is mm. funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, Event Horizon. <laughs> oh, very good. Probably no. Paul Anderson's only, um, not P.T. Anderson, the yeah. evil one who did Resident Evil. Yeah. Probably his only decent film, I think. Oh, and starring Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. There you go. Uh, here's a film that I ended up watching after we watched uh, Scream. I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yay! Oh my God. I almost rented it last night. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great revisiting that for sure. But I'll definitely Did I big bring... it up too much? Was it a disappointment? No, no, not at all. I'll probably bring it up in my wrap-up of Scream 2. Excellent. Um, a franchise that we may or may not end up doing, Leprechaun 4 in space. <laughs> we'll get there. Oh, man. We'll get there. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston in the first one. Yep, that's right. It's all connected. Next up is Mimic. 
Mm. What was that one? Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro's first American film. Oh, wow. It was, again, a creature feature, but more of a monster feature. Right. Mostly set in a museum. I really like Mimic. I can't remember if I, I saw that I think the Mimic series are actually good. There's just three of them. And the third one's really good. It's like Rear Window. Ooh. Okay. Oh, I lost my list. There it is. The Relic. <laughs> Not a monster feature. Also set in a museum. Oh, this is one mostly set in a museum, isn't it? I don't think Mimic's mostly in a museum. Yeah, The Relic. It had, um, what's his name from Fuck. From People Fuck. were in it. Yeah. That film fucked. Yeah, the relic was pretty cool at the time. It was a big budget creature feature. Like there we go. Yeah, so you're right, Al. The creature feature is very prominent in this list. I miss that. I like creature features. Time to bring it back. Uh, Wishmaster. <laughs> yeah, Wishmaster. I mean, this is actually technically Wes Craven's Wishmaster. He was like a producer on these. And it was created by... God, I'm trying to remember. It strings back to one of our previous franchises. Maybe Child's Play? Is that the one that went on to create Wishmaster? No, it can't have been. Don Mancini. That's just Don Mancini. No, he won't. I can't remember. Hang on, one second. I need to know this now. Whoa, uh, these the are wish, essentially... Wishmaster Devil Guy looks crazy. No, these are terrible, terrible movies, <laughs> which I, I've, I've rewatched actually them last year. <laughs> <laughs> very, very bad. Very bad. They look wonderful. Yeah, and it's just like a take on gin, basically, on having, like, you know, a. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, evil genie where you have your wishes and then he grants your wish, but in a ironic way that yeah. will kill you. <laughs> Very stupid. Okay. And wrapping up the horror list while Al looks up. Oh, hang that. on. Sorry. Sorry. It was one of the writers of Hellraiser. One of the Hellraiser people. There we um, go. Created Wishmaster. Yeah. And so wrapping it up was The Ugly. The Ugly is actually a New Zealand film and it was a real cult classic in the 90s. It's a psychological horror film. I really liked it. It had a real, it's, it's, it's probably aged not very well. I remember I had this very stylistic thing at the time where all the blood in it was, they just decided to do it with black ink. So all the blood was very stylized. It was a cool film though. I like the ugly. The blood what is all it? ink, eh? That's, uh, that's my New Zealand accent. <laughs> the New Zealand was perfect. I thought I was in Plot of the Concords. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that it? That's it. Thank you very much, Alex. So yeah, Creature Features and one slasher film. And that one slasher film has also been written by our friend Kevin Williamson, creator of Scream, creator of I Know What You Did Last Summer, and soon to be creator of Dawson's Creek. Yeah, so I didn't realize that because I don't know if you mentioned that last time and I missed it, but I was reading about him and I saw the Dawson's Creek thing and I was like, Kevin, you cheeky dog. That was the big deal at the time. The big deal at the time was that, because I know what he did last summer. The running joke was, uh, he wrote, I know, know what you did last summer. And then he made Dawson's Creek, which was basically, I know what you did last summer, the series, but without the kills. Love it. And that's literally what Dawson's Creek is. It's set yeah. in the same sort of place, same sort of characters. Oh, that's true. Some yeah. of the same cast, as we're going to see from Scream 2. And that's one of the reasons I got into Dawson's Creek, because I was so into I know what you did last summer. I just wanted more Kevin Williamson. Stuff. Mm. Dawson's Creek uh, retrospective will be uh, available shortly. <laughs> episode by episode, two yeah. hours on every longer. How than many the seasons did Dawson's Creek have? Do you it's guys like know? Five. five or six? Yeah, there's five or six. I, mean, I think yeah. I, t- I tuned out when they finished high school. I struggled when, I went, they, when they went to college and he was trying to be a filmmaker yeah. and he got even more. Yeah, I sad. came back to it years later. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that was just five or six. Yeah, five or six. We'll do them all, though. Don't worry. I don't want to wait. Yeah, Kevin Kim, Kim Williamson, really busy boy. So, wrote Scream, made it, huge hit. So, he's immediately asked, write Scream 2, write I Know What You Did Last Summer, and then almost immediately after that, write The Faculty, 
and then create Dawson's Creek and start writing that. All within the period of like under two years. That's oh. so crazy. Like going from like, oh God, I, I don't know if I can pay my bills to here's 400 grand for Scream and then, okay, start doing all this stuff. It's like, yeah, life changing. One of the most wow. in-demand writers in Hollywood at the time. But he has such a particular voice. Like we mentioned Quentin Tarantino last week and I really do see that, you know, here. He does have that kind of pop culture voice that's very identifiable. Like you can, you not understand a Kevin Williamson film as soon as you hear actors saying his words, you know. So yeah, we said last week he had submitted his treatment for Scream 2 along with his screenplay for Scream, but he hadn't written a script. So as soon as the first one was a huge success, while it's still in cinemas, they fast-tracked him to write it, they went into pre-production on it, it was going to come out less than a year after the original, which meant shooting would begin only six months after the release of the original, which is fucking crazy, because then that means their post-production is under six months. It was originally, they threw around names like Scream Again, Scream Louder... But it went into production as Scream, the, the sequel. Unfortunately, they had a big problem. So the big problem was the internet was starting to do the evil things the internet does. Um, and the script leaked online. And they had a panic because then the twists of the killers and stuff uh, were revealed. So Kevin Williamson had to do some hasty rewrites, which meant that they began shooting the film without a completed script. Which is not ideal. And then what they did is they kept the new ending secret from everybody. So even the actors didn't get it. No one got it until the last day of principal photography. No one knew who the killers were going to be in this movie. And they did have a very different ending, which we'll get to when we get to the ending. Can you imagine that? Like 97 uh, internet chat forums are like, people are like, we've got the, the leak script. And it's like, cool, cool. I'll download it. It's going to take six hours to download. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah. one megabyte file. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, and when they gave out these new scripts, which didn't even have those last 10 pages, they printed it all on grey paper so that they couldn't be basically copied and scanned properly. They were, yeah, they were, in, they were in real lockdown. They had a real panic after. They didn't realise, I think it was at that age where we were still quite innocent about it, and they didn't realise, oh, okay, you had a huge hit. These are whodunits. The internet's going to fuck you over. <laughs> so we have a whole bunch of people returning. We've got Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott. We've got Lee Schreiber returning as Cotton Weary. We have, of course... What's his face? Fucking hell. Sorry, I haven't written these down for once. <laughs> I'm all over the place. Can I just say, Cotton Weary, no. I think, is one of my favorite horror film names. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah I it is so good. <laughs> There's something about it that is called really, Mr. Weary. Really like. Yeah, it's cool. David Arquette. Yeah, David Arquette, thank you. Returning as Dewey. Courtney <laughs> Cox returning as Gail Weathers. And of course, uh, what's his face? Returning as Randy. What's his name? Uh, Jamie okay. Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy. There we go. And then we have a whole bunch of new people, including in the opening. We've got some Jada Pinkett Smith. We've got some Omar Epps. We've got Heather Graham. We've got Sarah Michelle Geller. We've got uh, Joshua Jackson. Luke Wilson. Oh my God. Yeah. Tori Spelling. We've got Louis Arquette. Yeah. Tori Spelling. <laughs> fucking so many people. Portia. Portia Heather de Rossi. Graham. Fucking people. Did you say Laurie Met- too many Metcalf? People. Rebecca Gayhart. No. Timothy Oliphant. How uh, old is Timothy Oliphant wait. in this? <laughs> so he is, we'll get to that. He is nearly 30. <laughs> He's fucking old. <laughs> is uh, Chief Hartley the same one as the first one? Yes. D- is uh, that yeah, cool. David Arquette's dad? Because it's like, it it, is. it's Lewis Arquette. Oh. Did we go over that in the first one or no? No, we didn't. I completely missed it. And I only found out about this. Yeah, the guy is having that weird conversation with where he's licking an ice cream. It's his it's daddy. actually his dad. Um, and I believe he passed away actually shortly after these, but I need to double check. Oh, that. how sad. We also have the voice of Selma Blair, 
And we have returning from Scream 1, Matthew Lillard. But we'll get to that. What? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> he didn't die, guys. Wait, and when it was where, where was Selma Blair's voice? She is the voice of the girl on the phone to Cece. Ah, okay. <laughs> Weird. Yep. Look, everybody wanted to be involved with this film. Sarah Michigel has signed up for this film without even reading the script for it. <laughs> she was like, yep, I'm in. <laughs> they were originally looking at Reese Witherspoon and Alicia Silverstone to play Cece. But yeah, went to Sarah Michelle Gellar. And there were a lot more nods actually to Buffy. A whole bunch of it got cut out. Okay, there's loads of stuff to talk about. Lots of changes happened because of the production. But let's just get into the movie and we can talk about it when we get to stuff. So, where are those things? Our opening. At yeah, the we begin Rialto. with so this this opening's exactly the same length as the uh, the other oh, one. Like they're both twelve right. minutes, uh, give or take a few seconds. They really thought they had a good formula there. They didn't want to mess with it. So we're opening with Phil Stevens played by Omar Epps and Maureen Evans played by Jada Pinkett Smith, and they're at the preview screening of Stab, which God. is a movie based on the book by Gail Weathers, which is based on <laughs> the true story in inverted commas uh, from the original Scream, The Woodboro Murders. Yeah, so we're mm-hmm. going to get... I mean, I've tried... I searched high and low to find that original pitch, those original five pages that Kevin Williamson sent in, you know, with Scream when he was trying to sell it. Because I really wanted to see, like, what was his original idea for Scream 2 and then what changed. I think for sure the crux of it has to be this, surely. Like, the crux of it is, let's go right down that postmodern rabbit mm-hmm. hole and they're making a movie of the first movie in this second one. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else. I remember like when I saw this, I loved, I loved this idea the first time I saw this movie back in the 90s. And they're, they're queuing up outside. Everyone's going fucking crazy. Like, no one's ever this crazy at film screen. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, it was, uh, there was a point of me thinking, like, has this film been out for a while? Because everyone's so into it already and so into, like, the, yeah. wearing the, the costumes. Or has it just come out and people are pumped? Like, that, I was sort of... Calling sure. it a preview screening, it's really confusing because yeah, the hype is that this is huge, but these are not novel fans. These are not people who are so into the book. <laughs> They're really excited. Yeah. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it's like Harry Potter. Maybe people are just really into the Gale Weathers novel. <laughs> mm. But yeah, everybody's like into the pop culture zeitgeist of this already. It's very strange. Yeah. Um, I go to horror movie festivals where you get people like there's a good atmosphere. People are screaming at the cinema and stuff and laughing. Never are they like dressed this. up stabbing each other? No, this is like fucking, this is like Mardi Gras on, you know, cocaine. Yeah. Like, this is just insane. It is raucous. They're a bit, it's like, <laughs> and the movie hasn't even started yet. And they're all like, yeah. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, just kind of, and then no one's listening to the movie when it does start. They're just like, running, I stab you, I stab you. <laughs> and then running <laughs> off again. No. It's like they took that one, you know, like that one dick in Scream 1 who's like running around and just yep. like stabbing people, screaming, I stab you. Like, he arranged a party. Like, that's what it is. Like, <laughs> like, he now runs a cult mm-hmm. and arranged the screening. Yeah, it reminded me of that. It also reminded me of, like, when all the jocks were, like, so excited when the principal died and they just wanted to go yeah. see his body hanging. Like, it was just like, what? Just, nobody in these movies have any, like, Decency. empathy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's a great atmosphere to start a movie with. I feel like you're starting with this, like, <laughs> the last one ended with a party. This one's starting with a party. Yeah. 
they're queuing up outside. We get a different slant here when they're talking about how African-Americans are always killed in horror movies. So she's saying why she doesn't like them. She wants to go and see the new Sandra Bullock movie down the road. Yeah, and everyone's given these masks going on the way in. And knives. Yeah, and knives. <laughs> oh, God. Can you imagine doing this now? Like, you never no. get away with it. <laughs> I would never step a foot into that theater. Fuck that. So I, I read this morning that the... The girl that hands them out their masks when they go into the theater was a was someone that won a competition on MTV to have a small part in this film. <laughs> nice, Aww. that's cool. I bet she still gets very excited. Yeah, yeah. So they head into the cinema and we're getting to see a recreation of the first scene from the first film, and I fucking love this. And what I love about mm-hmm. it is that it's the first scene, but done worse. it would be it's done like how all the cliches said it should be done like instead of just starting cool with like the phone call they're starting with her wandering through the house and taking a shower and just like stupid horror tropes and we have the drew barrymore role is played by heather graham in this scene which makes it even more of a surprise that there's no boob shop because heather graham loves to get her boobs she 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 gets naked and he's uh, jada pig looks at him and he's like i don't know about the plot but i've got a stiffy <laughs> I fucking- thought so. I had to re-listen to it twice. I was like, "Did he really she, say and that?" And then she looks at him and says, "You better loosen up that wrist." And then he does. He starts like so sort gross. of like just whipping his hand. Like, <laughs> like really? So I find it gross. embarrassing. I find it really. I find it really embarrassing that as many people who love horror films get turned on by no nudity. <laughs> like that's, she's not even naked. <laughs> well, ridiculous. I thought maybe she was naked on yeah, screen, but and we, we just don't didn't see it. See it. Oh, yeah, we weren't that's seeing what I thought it? too. Yeah, yeah, uh, because it was playing because it was playing to the like horror tropes and conventions that they mention all the time, but are constantly breaking. So they were seeing nudity, but we oh, didn't get it. We yeah. didn't get it at all. That's what I thought. Again, so then, too. again, then, fucking follow through. I mean, like you know, like. If you're going to do the pastiche on what normal horror films are and, and try to claim you're above that, you know, then in this one, you should fucking follow through then and, you know, yeah. let it be what it would be. Everyone in this, yeah, like you said, everyone in this audience is Why so excited. Why were you disappointed, Al? I've seen Heather Graham's boobs more times <laughs> than I. I'm so bored of her boobs. But I just, if you're going to do that, then fucking do it, you know, like make that the point. And it's a sequel. And the point, as they say, and I'm this is one of the problems I'm going to have with this movie, is that. The rules as they map out later with the sequel is everything's got to be bigger, bloodier, you know, mm-hmm. more, more over the top, more nudity. And I would argue there's no more of any of that in this film than in the first mm-hmm. film. There is not more blood, I don't think. There's certainly no nudity. Um, I feel like it's a lot more gruesome, though. Do you? Okay. Maybe. Well, we can, it, okay, mm, we can yeah. discuss that. But this is an opportunity for me then. All right, start how you mean to. Like, make sure this opening's really bloody. There's some nudity. Like, and you've got an excuse to do nudity where you're not even doing it in your own film. You're doing it in someone else's film. So then you can still have the dignity of when you're in your own film not doing nudity, you know? So that you can play, like, both sides of it. Yeah, okay. So, what's going on? So, yeah, they're I've watching the here film. Saying, you know, I don't even know you, and I dislike you already. What's uh, that he- from? Oh, yeah, that's her on the phone. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. So Heather Graham's doing the phone call. Yeah, yeah, and that's her line. You know, I don't even know you, and I like dislike you already. Oh yeah, yeah. And then Jada goes for to buy some popcorn, and her boyfriend jumps out and spooks her. Which I love this as well. No one gives a shit about movies. Everyone's just missing the film constantly, just to <laughs> run around like idiots. Like if they're that excited for the movie, sit down and watch the movie. Don't <laughs> yeah. hide in cupboards. Yeah, to spook your girlfriend. Yep. So then he goes to the bathroom, and she goes back into the crazy uh, uh, by her own. I love this bit. With the two mm. ghost faces yep. at the urinals. Yep. <laughs> That's really funny. Mm. 
So he goes, because that's how they both just like turn to look at him. It's brilliant. So he goes into a stall. And, and there's no build up to this. He just hears something weird straight away. Now, what is this? Uh, it sounds like a little baby voice. It's very strange. Yeah, is it like. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it. Like, is it meant to be like people? <laughs> does he think it's people making out in the bathroom or something? I don't know. In I could stall? barely hear it, it like, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He seems really entertained by it. He's like, oh, this is amazing. Let's have a little listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he I has to. Think. He has to pee so bad, and then he gets there, hears the sound, and just stops. <laughs> he doesn't even. He's like, yeah. no, I don't yeah. need to pee anymore. And if I don't know if anybody has ever been into a bathroom stall before, but if you hear something, they have open tops and open bottoms. So mm-hmm. if you hear something in the next stall, placing your ear against the wall is actually going to make it harder for you to hear. <laughs> <laughs> You're closing off one of your ears. Mm. It's and really why stupid. would you ever touch a bathroom stall wall anyway? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Definitely don't rub your face on a bathroom no. stall. No. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a bathroom stall yesterday in, in South Carolina, and it had phone numbers for if you wanted head and then phone numbers for if you wanted pussy. And then next to it was someone had written, don't fall for it. It's the police. <laughs> <laughs> I like that that guy went back to just leave that note. <laughs> yeah. He'd spent his six months in prison. And came out. I don't want someone to make the same mistake as me. <laughs> so also, how does this ghost face know where to stab him? Because like, he gets it right on. He knows exactly where the head is on the other yep. side of this wall and then stabs straight through it, through the cheek. Fucking painful idea. But you would, you would die instantly, oh, wouldn't you? He kind of did. Oh, I can't even. That was so gruesome to me. I, yeah, it was I the like worst that. stab. How would Ghostface know that he would put his ear up to listen to that? No, you wouldn't. No, you well, wouldn't. it looked like Ghostface was kind of almost taller than the stall. So maybe he could just kind of see on the other side. <laughs> I don't know. He's just peeking over the top. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got it. He's using one of those like mirrors on the end of a stick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make any sense, but yeah, I like, I like it's a nice violent opening kill. Kill number one. Even though there's no, I am, I do regret there's no wind up. Like the first one had such a good wind up. This is just like, it just happens. But then it does give way for a cool scene afterwards. So dressed as her boyfriend, he puts on a leather jacket, Ghostface comes into the crazy, crazy cinema and sits down next to his girlfriend. Now, the question I have, how does he know where to sit and how does he know who she is? Well, he goes to, well, I don't, I'm assuming it's the guy, right? So he goes to school with them because they're seniors at that same school. So maybe he like planned it out before, like I'm going to kill them. But how Good did point. he even know that they were going to go to the movies? Well, I've been following him for I a while. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe he got them the preview ticket. No, you raise a completely good point, because of course when we get to who the killers are, yeah, would know them from school. Thank you. You sold the movie. <laughs> what I do like here, we've got a, we got a parody, because it's the culmination of the end of the first scene of Stab on the screen as she's getting stabbed. And then at the same time, we've got Jada Pinkett getting stabbed by realizing her boyfriend's not her boyfriend. And mm-hmm. then he just stabs her in the stomach. God. I thought this bit really, was really, really cool. It was so cool and so just like fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. She like staggers just... out, goes onto the front of the screen, and then it's just like bleeding out in front of everyone. And it takes a while for everyone to sort of know. I like when everyone pulls up their masks as well. Everyone's just like, yeah. oh shit. Thank God they noticed, though, eventually. Jeez, I, you know, I almost thought, like, I don't even know if they're going to, I don't even know if they're going to notice. 
yeah. or care, you know? <laughs> like, My feeling fuck. was, was like, because it was all caught up in the hype, the initial killing, right? And everyone's like, yeah, everyone's doing it, playing along. And then they start to yeah. notice and the mask coming off is really cool. But then my expectation was that she was going to collapse and there was going to be a beat and then everyone was just going to be like, yeah, like start cheering again because <laughs> they thought it was like some staged, like, like yeah, stunt. Yeah, yeah. super fan sort of yeah. Yeah, stunt thing. Yeah. It made me true. feel really gross. It was cool. Watching yeah, but this. I like it because you need that. Like I feel like, you know, they know the first one, the opening was the shocker and they need something similar. I don't think this is as good as the opening to Scream, uh, even though it is you know, a more interesting idea. I, don't, I just don't think it's... I think it could be played out better. You know, I feel like the direction of it is not as good. But the idea is really cool. And yeah, I love it was, the it was totally moment. entertaining and fun. I, I just met it made me, made me feel gross about humanity. Sure. sure. <laughs> because they, you could they... kind of see it happening, though. Like, you go to Not Scary Farm or any of those, like, Halloween mm-hmm. horror things. Like, this, this could happen. I know. It's us. Yeah, that, that aspect is definitely scary. And now they gave you what you what you love by doing the title after the opening. Thank you. Yes. So this is the thing. As like, yeah, the wonderful silent moment when she hits the floor and then it just goes quiet and they linger on it for about three seconds quiet, which I really love because I feel the impetus would just be she hits the floor and you go to title. But mm-hmm. instead you get that quiet moment and you just feel, oh. And then suddenly, yeah, like the, the scream two like rips through the screen. Fucking love it. I, I find so it funny, like on the first one. It seems very common in in sequels, maybe not just horror ones, and maybe of this sort of time period, that when they bring up the two or the part two or whatever, it's always a tear, like a shh, shh. yeah, <laughs> it's like it's been slashed through the screen. Yeah, and we get uh, cool music again. Eels, this could be your lucky day in hell. Great song, love it. I like the soundtrack to Scream too. We're actually on our drive yesterday. We we're listening to a little uh, playlist I made of. Teen horror films from the 90s. <laughs> oh, that's this is one cool. of the songs. Is it cool? <laughs> yeah, maybe you should send it to us. There's lots of Our Lady Peace and Creed. And <laughs> All right. So now we go back. Sydney, she's now at college. Oh, um, wait, wait. What about the death, the scream? How did you feel about the scream? Oh, her scream? Yeah. And yeah. The, the way she died. Yeah, it was fine. It okay. Was fine. You didn't, you didn't, you like, didn't it? like it? I thought it was kind of funny. You seen Jada Fink? Oh, I see. You're disgusted by humanity while laughing <laughs> at the death of another. I have a lot of mixed emotions. <laughs> I thought okay, she was fine. Mind. I mean, it's Jada Pinkett Smith, you know? I don't you know. know. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's move on. Nobody, nobody, nobody cares. It didn't make me laugh. No, it didn't make me laugh. I was I'm just not like, oh. heartless. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All right, so Sydney at college, uh, she wakes up. I love this as well. It's great. We're immediately mm-hmm. setting up how yeah. she's changed from the first film. Because the first one, she was pretty strong from the opening, but she becomes obviously stronger and stronger throughout. Then she's waking up to a call from what we think is Ghostface, but no, it's just some dude pretending to be Ghostface, and she's totally used to this now. She's yawning as he's calling her. Uh, she's got call recognition and is bored at his prank Caller calls. ID. Who calls it call recognition? Uh, English? English people? People? <laughs> Caller recognition. <laughs> well, you don't have Siri. So. A con weary. Alex's favorite named horror character is on TV. He's been exonerated and is now a free man running around doing TV interviews. Sydney's dorm mate 
is telling her that she's got to come to a Delta Lambda Zeta house party because they want to be initiated potentially into uh, the sorority. And then I love this girl who runs up to them with her hand on heart. She's like, check out the news. Yeah, <laughs> <Just> exactly. <laughs> I feel we've immediately still got Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven's like, disdain for the youth of america but with also still that loving touch of mm-hmm. <laughs> they're they're really annoying but kind of amusing <laughs> <laughs> so the news is reporting there's been the two deaths and the movie uh and the news when they get outside news crews have already turned up to start hassling sydney uh, so we get a big whole bunch of like people recurring immediately we cut to randy he's in film class with sarah michelle geller he's with pacey pacey yeah god bless pacey um, and this is one of the reasons he got Dawson's Creek was because of working with him on this film. Wow. And Mickey, who is played, as Alex <laughs> mentioned before, by Timothy Oliphant, a man who is <laughs> just a few months away from turning 30. <laughs> There's like bits like where he's got his, like, his five o'clock shadow coming through. I swear he's kind of a little <laughs> salt and peppered as well. He's just like, it's like, that dude's old. <laughs> he looks older than the teacher. <laughs> Uh, so we're straight into film commentary because they're talking about sequels and someone saying who'd want to make Stab 2 sequels suck. So they're trying to get immediately out of the way. Yes, Wes Craven's smart enough to know sequels suck. Kevin Williamson is smart enough to know horror sequels suck. So let's talk about how potentially A, we know that, but B, maybe this one could be better than the first one. But they're trying to look at sequels. Now, I think there are quite a lot of sequels actually that are better than the originals, particularly with horror films. I think there are plenty of franchises that improve. Friday the 13th is one of them for sure. But I, I yeah, and... I, I remember <laughs> <laughs> House 2, the second story. <laughs> um, I actually have a list that I'm going to publish once our site is up and running later this year properly of my favorite sequels that are better than the originals. I do think there's quite a few. The Lost World, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> But I like this scene. I like as well, like, I'm, I'm in a good mood at the beginning of this movie, you know? We've mm-hmm. had a pretty cool, interesting opener. Um, I like that Sydney's in a different place. She seems pretty well adjusted for someone who went through what she went through. <laughs> okay. And I like that we've got Randy back, and I like that we're talking, yeah, we're breaking that fourth wall immediately by talking about sequels. Yep. I'm cool with it. Yeah, I'm cool with it too. But Randy's very cool in this one, though, because he wasn't cool in the first one. Now he's like the one everyone looks up to because they're at film college. Yeah. Which I think is kind of fun. I kind of liked Randy before, though. Yeah, he becomes a bit annoying in this because he only talks in film quotes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like when she's trying to have a serious conversation with him after this about how oh, people are murdered, maybe it's happening again. And he's just talking in weird accents, quoting movies. He can't yeah. just have a conversation. Oh, is that why he was talking in the English accent? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, can't he just have a conversation with his friend about dead people? <laughs> yeah. Sydney's got a new boyfriend, Derek. Played Jerry by O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell, who was apparently during the filming of this dating Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh. Was Just he? During the filming. And this was during this time that he had the TV show Sliders. Do you remember that, that TV time? show? No, yeah, I, feel I like remember it was that the funny show. <laughs> I remember that piece of trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like the poor man's quantum leap. <laughs> Pretty much, yep. But yeah, so he would go through like parallel... Sort of universes, wouldn't he? Jump between different sort he would of parallel slide through them, I believe. Yeah, slide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a weird looking dude, isn't he? He's just so action figure-y. He I find is. it hard to take he him seriously. He does serious. look like an action figure for sure. Well, it's funny. So he was 
as you may or may not know, the chubby kid in Stand By Me. Of course. But then by the mid mid nineties, he yeah he was like action figure, jock, good looking guy. Yeah, almost too good looking. He's kind of like a well, he's going to do a Tom Cruise thing later, and he's kind of got that Tom Cruise vibe to him. You know, he wears some amazing belts (laughs) and slacks in this uh, (laughs) in this movie. He's, he's also like, I do like that she's gone for someone who's completely the opposite from her previous sort of cool boy, bad boy, emo. This is like, yeah. Killer. <laughs> yeah. Who <laughs> turned out what? to be a killer. This, this guy is like, doctor. yeah, he looks like he's going to grow up to be a doctor and, just, you know, he's like, I don't know. Privileged, white. Exactly. Exactly. There's no emo going on with no, this kid. Mm-hmm. There's no, Should be uh, said here, by the way, Nev Campbell was shooting Party of Five while shooting oh, yeah, Scream I read 2. This. You heard this about her schedule? It's fucking yeah. insane. Yeah. Dang. So she, but when she was on uh, Scream 1, was Party of Five already on? I think they were between seasons. Yeah, it was definitely on. Oh, okay. I think they might have been between seasons when they shot that. I know when she shot this, yeah, she was shooting Party of Five on Monday and Tuesdays during the days. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, she would do mostly night shoots for Scream 2. <gasps> wow. Which meant that on Sundays, she would work until 6 a.m. on Scream 2 go home for 15 minutes to shower, and then go to party of five without sleeping. No way. She's a fucking hero. I doubt. I, I'm sure. No. <laughs> I doubt no. it. Christina's going bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> but like, she had look, a, come on. at least a few hours. You got a big movie like this, you just, you do it. You just do yeah, it. Yeah, but I, I feel like they'll work with her. They'd work with her. Don't know. It's the maybe 90s. Not. Yeah. I guess. Maybe shit. not. <laughs> Different times. It's the good old days when production crews could do what they wanted yeah they're going outside they're meeting up with people i'm finding here like it just immediately for me it's like the writing doesn't feel quite as good it does feel a bit rushed for me between yeah characters. yeah it I does felt the same i didn't have the same kind of impact as that first scene in scream when we meet meet the gang which just felt very natural yeah. and like had a really good rhythm to it here yeah it just didn't this have that felt same a little kind pushed right yeah i agree Especially um, with Dewey and um, Ooh, and we're getting into Dewey now. <laughs> oh, yes, we are. Uh, and I've had a big thing cleared up for me, actually, when I did some research on this. But just for that, yeah, so Gail turns up with Joel, her new cameraman. Who I really like. Yeah, I like him a lot. And he's playing a lot on, he's African-American as well, and he's playing a lot on, you know, black guys always die in these movies, so he's nervous throughout most of the movie, <laughs> which I like. So wait, just before Gail appears, Sydney's talking to her friends, then we see Dewey. I still want to make a point of this because once we see Dewey, this funny, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the score goes into like this funny dorky kind of thing. They have a chat and the thing that made me laugh was that after she chats to Dewey, she goes back to her friends and Jerry O'Connell, who is her boyfriend, like fist bumps her on the shoulder and says, are you okay? I just thought that was funny. Completely. Yeah. Just like taps it like like he's like she's a bro. He's like gives her a tap. And he's like, "You okay? Everything okay?" <laughs> oh man, yeah. So that Dewey music. Okay, all right. I'm so glad you noticed it because I remember the first time I watched this movie. As soon as that music came up, I was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Like I was like, it was so goofy. It played up all that stuff that was bothering me in the first film about Dewey being a bit too goofy for me. Which is, you know, ex- like pushed so much further with this music. And then it kept coming up throughout the movie. And mm-hmm. we're going to find it becomes Dewey's theme. It's called like Dewey's theme now. And it bothered me. 
And I didn't understand because that first soundtrack, Marco Beltrami did such a great job and he's here again doing it here. And then I just found out yesterday the story behind this. And I'm pretty sure it has to be this piece of music. I haven't actually gone to like, by next week, I'm going to go and download the thing we're talking about. But what happened was they had some test screenings and they hadn't finished all of the score. So Marco Beltrami was busy working on Dewey's theme. And they put in a placeholder and the placeholder they put in was from the film. Do you remember this film? Broken Arrow with Christian Slater and John yep. Travolta yep. about stealth bombers. Yep. <laughs> and they put in this bit of music from that, which I think is Hans Zimmer, uh, which totally makes sense. And test audiences loved it so much. They kept it in. And Marco Bertrami was really annoyed because his theme then was just used for the more serious bits where you have Dewey mm. in them. And it's, it made perfect sense to me. This is why for decades now, this bit of music just sticks out like a sore fucking thumb to me. Very this jarring. does not feel right. It does not feel right at all. It's like literally <laughs> like, here's the goofball. Let's play the weird sort of cowboy Twin Peaks music. <laughs> yeah. It's just so strange. I'm so glad. Yeah, had that cleared up. All right, so Gail is on campus, yeah, with Joel. A news reporter, Debbie Salt, is her name, comes up to tell her that she's a huge fan of Gail's book, and she's going to keep popping up throughout the entire movie. We can discuss, particularly with Christina, who's new to this film, but I guess Alex with his foggy brain as well, <laughs> whether <laughs> she pops up too much in this movie that gives you any red flags, or if you just buy it as she's a weird character. Mm. Well, I felt like she had to be something important because... She's the girl from Roseanne, right? Laurie Metcalf, yeah. 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 Wonderful. So but there's so like, many actors in this film, though, you know? So many actors. Like, yeah, it's true. I did not think she was going to be who she ended up to be. Okay. Okay. That well, was like a really right good surprise. Alex, did you? Yeah, so my, fo- so my foggy brain was surprised. So halfway through, I, was, I remembered uh, Timothy Oliphant's definitely the killer. But then I was surprised by this lady, Debbie Salt. Okay. And yeah, and watching it back, I was like, yes, she does appear a lot. But for me, it didn't feel... It felt like she appeared a lot as a necessary means to get to that ending without her really ever being important or relevant to the narrative. Do you know what I mean? It felt a bit Scooby-Doo. Yeah. It felt very Scooby-Doo for me. Well, it's because her acting is very Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> uh... That's true, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I'm just interested because knowing that it's that she's, you know, the orchestrator of it, to me watching it this time, I was like, man, as the editor, if I knew what the ending is and I'm editing this, I would be paranoid that we're giving it away too much because she's in so much of the movie. She just keeps popping up again and again and again and again. And it's for me, it's like maybe just twice would be enough, you know? Yeah. I thought maybe she was going to like uh, help solve it or save, save them or something like that. Okay, she was going to prove herself to be like, to take, to, yeah. To live up to the role that she wants with Gail Weathers of being a news reporter who gets involved and yeah. saves the day. But Timothy, yeah. I knew Timothy was going to be the killer the whole time. Well, it's because he looked almost as evil as Billy Loomis in the first film. <laughs> you know, and the thing is with, uh, with Debbie Salt is that Gail Weathers, a seasoned professional journalist who did extensive research on the Woodborough murders, didn't recognize her. She would have. She would have done her research and known who Billy Loomis's mother was. Didn't recognize she her. She did. Cindy doesn't recognize her. The only reason yep. why they didn't recognize her is because she lost weight, right? She yep. had a makeover. <laughs> yeah, she had a makeover. You should try no, it. That's a stretch. That's such a stretch. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. 
I mean, to be fair, Sydney, when she gets a good look at her, recognizes her pretty much straight away. But yes, but Gail Weathers, no idea. Had long conversations <laughs> with this lady. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. So the Delta Lambda bitches turn up. So one of them's the one, I mean, Katie told me this. I don't know this stuff. Eyebrows is the one who married Ellen. Is that right? Yep. That's Portia de Rossi. Yeah, Portia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I don't know who this person is. It means nothing to me. Eyebrows. Doing the doing the thick eyebrows before the thick eyebrows was like everyone was yeah. doing thick eyebrows. Yeah, accentuated because she's like dyed her hair blonde and she's got black eyebrows. But. <laughs> yeah, and then the other girl, curly hair. She is from another slasher film, Urban Legend. Yeah, uh, oh, Rebecca Gayhart. Oh, I recognized her. She was everybody's in a lot of, fucking in this movie, man. She was yeah, in a lot of in this movie. Uh, stuff back in the day. She has been in. Was stuff. she in Jawbreaker she as well? That's oh, maybe. Bethany yeah, and I maybe. Well, I haven't seen in a long time. Because I think Bethany was like, she was in, uh, yeah, was she in Jawbreaker? Yeah, she was, yeah. I forgot about Jawbreaker. Bethany called it. Well played. So yeah, meanwhile, yeah, we are introduced to Dewey with the stupid team. He just looks fucking lost, right? He's just standing there looking so lost, like an idiot. I'm, in my notes, I wrote, <laughs> I was like, Gail, uh, sorry, Gail has a harder edge in this film until she bumps into Dewey standing in the corporate campus courtyard like Rain Man. <laughs> he's just like, every time he appears, he's just like standing there, he's like looking at this distance. He, he genuinely looks like someone just pushed someone onto film set in front of the camera. Just like, just stand there, you'll be fine. And then suddenly like lines are expected of him. And he's like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, no one told me I had to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That's how every scene with him is like. Uh, which is an angle, I guess, to go for the character. Um, so we learn here that Sydney's doing theatre, and Dewey is here to plant the seed of doubt in Sid. Anybody could be the killer or the killers. Yeah, so Dewey, uh, Dewey also, he's, he's goofy, but he has this new defiant sort of PTSD, Dewey. Like, he's, he's been hardened. He's seen <laughs> yeah, he's stuff. stuff. Like, I think that's <laughs> like how David Arquette's trying to play it. <laughs> and then accompanied with some incredible, incredible physical acting. Oh, amazing. Amazing limp and weird soul, the thing, which they'll luckily call out later. So we'll get to that when we get to it, but I love that. Because I was so confused. I mean, it could have been, only been a year, but I was like, hang on, he didn't get, sh- nothing happened to him in the leg. I was really confused. And I can't find backstory. There must be some backstory to this. Like, there must yeah, be a reason. Yeah, he like, said yeah. he got a nerve, his nerve got damaged. Because they call yeah, it it's like, yeah. They call it out, yeah. so it must be like he had actually hurt himself on set or something. There must be something where in oh, real okay. life he had to do this. If you know what I mean, because it's written so weirdly. But I can't find anything online. I was trying to find like, what's the reason for Dewey's stupid fucking walk in Scream Two? Oh, they, oh so yeah, they you brush think that they it. didn't really have to give him any injury? They did. There's no way they because they literally, yeah, they just brush over it, like Alex is saying. They somewhat like Randy later, isn't he? He's like, well, what the fuck is with the limp? Because you yeah. were stabbed in the shoulder, and he's like, uh, uh d- d- nerves, and then they just move on with it. They're because like you're stabbed in the back. Yeah, they're embarrassed of it, though. Like, that's not like they would make a bigger deal out of it. But they know yeah. it's so weird. It is weird because it's it like out. a weird arm thing and a limp. Unless, yeah, like, no unless on the first day of shooting the Dewey Seeds, David Arquette made this, like, actor's choice. <laughs> and Kevin Williamson yeah. was just like, oh, boy, I'm going to have to write a bit in here because that yeah. is just way off. Exactly. And he is, as we said, like, he is writing the script as they're shooting it at the beginning of filming. So, you know. Maybe there was a scene where something else is going to happen. Who knows? Yeah, it was really, it wasn't believable. So funny. It's so, uh, it's yeah, it's hilarious. I I mean, what is he going to come back next? See, next the friend, the number three. 
<laughs> he has more, he just, more injuries now. <laughs> he can't keep his head up. He's just like... <laughs> oh, man. Um, so Gail comes over to interview Sid and she's brought, surprise, Cotton Weary, who looks like a creepy motherfucker stepping behind <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which, for starters, how does a man that size hide behind a tiny, tiny Gail Weathers? Uh, but Sid doesn't see him. And she punches Gail in the face again. I'm liking Courtney Cox from the get-go in this. Yeah, you're liking her streaks. That's what's doing it for you. Like her streaks. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't know. Oh I just like her, her character, how she plays it. It's just like, she's a little harder. But I don't know. It just... I like that she's she back to being back. a bitch again. Yeah. 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 Basically. Um, but I- I'm so happy that Dewey called out her streaks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. What do you think for the 90s? That was just normal. You wouldn't even call it out. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So she has a chat with Dewey. It's a just embarrassingly strange conversation. So <laughs> she's upset funny. about how she wrote about him in, his, in her book. But she's so clearly in love with him. You know, we said it in the last film yeah. last week. This one, like, she's just looking at him with these, like, adoring eyes. It's really nice. Totally. <laughs> and, like, he's, yeah, she's doing that. There's, there's that sincerity of, and he's, he's giving the performance of his life. He's, like, he's doing, he's, like, he's, like, doing his squint. He's, like, trying, like, and it's just, oh, it just cracked me up every time he was on. I just, I just was, like, it's so weird. It's so funny. It's just, oh, my God. Uh, but but that's the weird thing, isn't it? It's like, because I said in the last one, for me, it was a bit too much. In this one, the whole I'm going to argue the whole film's not as serious as the last one. So I'm kind of fine with it. <laughs> it's, it's so, he's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of really enjoy it because I don't think the film is taking itself as seriously. So then we're at sorority party time. So, uh, yeah, we're heading into a party early on in this film. Meanwhile, at an adjacent sorority house, we have Cece played by Sarah Michelle Geller, hanging out on her own. She's going to be the, the designated driver? Is that what she is? Like, the, the, did she call herself the drunk sister or something like that? Yeah. yeah where she, like, help, helps people if they get too drunk. Right, right. Um, and she's on the phone to Selma Blair when Ghostface rings, and she thinks it's Ted. I've forgotten. There's a, there's a call out with this. It's a really complicated thing to do with why it's called Ted. It's something to do with an episode of Buffy. But, yeah, I've forgotten. So, having watched... Having watched, I know what you did last summer, like the day or two before, every time Sarah Michelle Gellar was on, I think Bethany said it first. She's like, oh my God, I forgot what movie I'm watching. Because she's just exactly <laughs> the same. Yep. <laughs> yeah, she plays everything exactly the same. Mm-hmm. 90s teen actors. Good yeah. on screen, not necessarily the best actors. <laughs> I do like this line of dialogue though when she's talking to Ghostface and she says, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were someone else. And he just goes, that's okay, I am. And it's the way he delivers it. It's like kind of stupid and creepy at the same time. So then she's going outside because she's getting freaked out. But then the phone starts breaking up. So it's a reason she's got to like head back inside. Again, these are things you couldn't do nowadays with mobile phones or cellular telephones. <laughs> <laughs> Does Sounds anyone have a cellular up, telephone in this though? Because there are less phones in this movie. Uh, there is during the Randy scene. The Randy oh, yes. death. Yep. There you go. Yep. You think like the natural thing would be, oh, oh yeah. technology is moving on. We could do more with cellular telephones, but they don't. Yeah. Uh, they do do something with the clear telephone, though. Oh, man, I used to have that telephone. Me too. <laughs> Loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she walks back inside and calls campus security, and then Donna pops out and scares Cece. And why wouldn't Donna say anything? And why wouldn't she really say anything to Donna? Or I don't I know. know. 
or call campus security again while she's inside with Donna. I like that Donna pops out of a room that's dark. Like she hasn't had the lights yeah, yeah. on. She's, she's just she's been and, getting ready in the dark. <laughs> and she's like comes out. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I don't I don't understand. If you're scared enough to call campus security, you're scared enough to tell your friend. You yeah. Know, who's there in the house with you. But yeah, as Ghostface is on the phone, we see him creep into the house in the background. Which means we know there's at least two this time, right? This is the only yes, time we picked up on this. Because he's not on the phone while he creeps yeah. in and somebody's talking, so immediate spoiler. Because I do remember going into it. That was the thing. The hype at the time was, well, what are they going to do? Because the last time they had that huge twist of this two, mm-hmm. what, are, what is it going to be this time? And that's an immediate spoiler for, well, there is at least two. Uh, yeah, so then Goface pops out. He stabs her twice. Not that cool, to be honest, this fight. I didn't find. But thrown no. off the balcony. Pretty brutal. Pretty like, brutal. Like, yeah. And then the thing that I liked, well, it made me laugh, was that it, 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 it shows her on the ground from the top of the balcony and sort of holds on that shot and then Everclear, I think it's Everclear, like, <laughs> an Everclear song starts playing before it cuts to the party, which I was like, yeah, 90s vibes. Yeah. This is the gradual evolution into, I think by part three, because I, yeah, I was looking at the soundtracks, part three is all just new metal. <laughs> There's like none of this fun pop songs anymore from the 90s. It's just like people screaming. So Sydney and her roommate... What's her roommate's name? Sorry, I need to remember that. I don't know. Fuck. She's not... Okay, so how did you feel about her roommate? Because she feels like she's going to be important, but then they do nothing with her, really. Yeah, they didn't really do anything with her. I no, don't know. Hallie. Hallie, played by Lee Sneal. Oh, God, I can't even rem- I remember the first time I saw this movie, I thought it was going to be her roommate. That's right. That's who I thought the killer was. Because she's the only person she's putting all of her trust into. Yeah, I like I crossed my mind, but it, she never really gave me anything to like. Her boyfriend, though, he did a really good job of playing guilty, not guilty. That's because he does the singing scene that we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> like you can't possibly be a killer. Yeah. Sorry. So they've been called by the lambdas. They're not in. She's not interested, but her roommate is. And then they hear police sirens, so they all go out to check out Omega Beta Zeta, where this kill has happened with Sarah Michelle Geller. Um, and the news reporter, who's a fan of Gell, is there again, but they're saying that this kill was a suicide immediately. I love that. They just they just turned up to the scene. I'm like, oh, they're saying mm-hmm. it's a suicide. It happened. Well, like five they said because ago. she has two stabs in her back. Yeah. So how the fuck is that a suicide? No, they said it's not a suicide. Oh, are they saying? Oh man, I yeah. I said they. Uh, yeah, I yeah. heard it as you did, Al. That they they were like, no, it's a suicide. Saying it's a suicide. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was like, oh, it's it's not a suicide because she has two stabs yeah. in her back. Your way definitely makes more sense. Otherwise, you're like stabbing yourself twice, throwing yourself off a balcony. <laughs> <laughs> there are easier ways to commit suicide. Yeah. And here, Christina, do you notice red right hand Nick Cave playing again? Yeah, I did. I, it's like the second time already, right? They played it in the theater. Becoming the theme. And we'll linger on Sid's boyfriend here to make us think that it's him, I think. But did you ever think it was him? You're saying yeah, you went I, back and forth? I did. He did a really okay. good job of playing kind of like creepy, kind of, and then also not. So I, I didn't like, I, he was like the second one I thought could be it. But okay. then I thought that would be pretty like typical. It's interesting. I felt in this film, they really hammed up more the the suspects do you know what i mean yeah they did mm-hmm. like if like they really forced the issue of like this is why you think it's gonna be him or this is like 
Yeah. yeah, it felt mm-hmm. it felt more forced in that sense. It's definitely me. harder to write and direct though, because I feel like they know that that's what you're thinking about when you're watching the film. So then they mm-hmm. try and yeah, orchestrate it more and push you around. Yeah, yeah. So it just feels a little less natural. Um, so the phone rings, and I do like this because she nearly doesn't pick it up, and then she just decides to go back, and and yep, it is Ghostface, and then he just fucking comes out again like the first film. Like there's no lead up, there's no I'm gonna get you later. It's he just comes out and just starts attacking her. I like that in both films that Sydney's confronted by Ghostface super early. Yeah. Like has those first confrontations. I really, really like it. Because then it also goes back to what we were saying last time. Like, if he kills it then, like, yeah, what's the point? (laughs) It doesn't make sense, but I like it. What is weird here, though, is that this is the only time, I think, where we have the Ghostface voice in person because he replies to her with my pleasure and has the Ghostface voice, which is impossible. Because he needs the voice changer. Oh, I didn't notice right. that. Which was like, hmm. <laughs> unless, there, unless there's a real ghost face out there somewhere who's actually the one. It's going to be like James Bond and there's a Blofeld who's controlling everything. Yeah. Pulling all the strings. Mm. Spoilers, Al. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Sid's boyfriend runs in. He's wounded. So we're kind of getting this sort of replication of the first film. And of course, this time, Sid's onto him. She's suspicious. And Timothy Oliphantastic, as I like to call him, is planting seeds of doubt that her boyfriend could be the killer. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, this is the point where I wrote down, hang on, <laughs> he's nearly 30. And Dewey is 32, by the way, in this film. So Gail's with Dewey at a police station. She realizes the names of the victims are the same names as the original victims killed in the same order. Which I kind of like this. Yeah. This is a pan. It also means you can know who they're going to kill next, surely. So just put all of them in protection. Yep. Yep. But no. <laughs> Instead, they just give what they call... Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, because they're bodyguards, right? But they call them detectives. Yeah. <laughs> they give Sydney two detectives to follow her. I don't think that's what detectives do, is it? Am I wrong? Mm. I mean, I guess, like... I don't know. I, I only know this from other movies I've seen, but yeah, I guess they like assign someone to protect you if they feel you're under immediate threat while there's an investigation yeah, going on. I don't think it's a detective. I think it would be a bodyguard or just a police officer. Or, or a police officer, yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess agree. Batman's a detective, so yeah. he'd protect you. <laughs> but like, why? Why doesn't Sydney or any of those people who have previously you know been through this why don't they have like a like a switchblade or or any or even like freaking spray what's that spray you know pepper spray yeah yeah mace. yeah why don't have they mace? have anything to protect yourself with yeah got a mask on got a mask on us oh, go going back when Derek or whatever his name is runs in to confront Ghostface, that's when we get another bit of uh, Dewey physical acting when he runs in and he's like doing that limp oh, run. God. <laughs> and then later on when he's outside, Dewey says, I smile when I catch the killer, which I thought was <laughs> yeah. hilarious. Katie, Katie actually laughed out loud. when that <laughs> Yeah. So you're saying, Christina, the answer is uh, for kids in potential danger in schools is to arm the kids? <laughs> I mean, if a four-year-old could learn how to shoot a gun, why can't Sydney? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. oh God. It's horrible, man. <laughs> yep. Yep. I hope people are taking this with the correct pinch of salt that they need to be. All right. So, what's happening? People, yeah, she's got these two detectives now following around, uh, which I do like they do that, though, because then you're like, well, yeah, that's something like that would happen, you know? 
You wouldn't just let him wander around anymore. Uh, but this fucking reporter is there again, hassling Gale. And this is the point for me. Where I'm like, it's three times already. Like, you're really putting this reporter in the limelight a lot. And we learn in this little bit of exposition that Sid's dad is out of the country on, at another expo. <laughs> Oh, that's. I was wondering where he was. He's got Comic Con New York to go to now. Is that. They (laughs) said that. They said that your dad's at an expo? Yeah. There's this throwaway line when that reporter's talking to the other ones. It's like, oh, Sid's dad's out of the country on work. And then that reporter starts sowing the seeds to the other reporters. Oh, the killer could be from Woodsboro. That makes sense. Because, yeah, sorry, we didn't really mention, but they're in a different location now. I don't know. It's not believable. They're in Ohio um, at the moment. So. New location. Yeah, I know. The kid, the dad just doesn't give a shit. This dad is no. just the worst parent ever. Can you imagine, like, last time we doubted it, but all right, fair enough. And then he went through everything he went through because he was tied up, you know? And then now he's just like, he hears there are deaths again by Ghostface again in his daughter's school. Doesn't even bother coming home. No, I think that's his messed ex- up. His expo is too important. <laughs> they should have written him back in. He really needs those collectible cards. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so stupid. So we're at school lunch. Sid's hanging out with Derek, her roommate, and Olive Fantastic. And then Derek, who's feeling like she doesn't trust him, decides he's going to win her over by doing the Tom Cruise Top Gun I Think I Love You song. Which is then also done, isn't it, in uh, 10 Things I Hate About You? Does that do it as well? Uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, he sings um, uh, You're Too Good To Be True oh, in of the, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Uh, field. <laughs> Whereas this is a literal call out. Yeah. I like the scene. I like how he can't sing and just fucking goes for it. Um, Again, belts all the casting and slacks. Oh, amazing. <laughs> amazing. Uh, all the casting for this character, they had to sing this scene without musical accompaniment. Oh. I love it. So I'm hoping somewhere out there, <laughs> uh, uh, there is a, an audition tape from our dear old friend. Chris Chris Klein. Klein. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. The music in this scene, Poor though, so then when she, like, she starts... Nah, nah, he did it to himself. Uh, the music in this scene, she starts laughing, she's back in love with him, they make out, he then gives her his fraternity letters, and then they comment, his, her roommate's commenting, oh my god, yeah, the brothers will kick his ass. But the music's like it's the end of a fucking movie. Like, the, yeah. the score is like, end of a rom-com, everything's great, the entire school, they're clapping, and I'm sorry, but when you have a room of people clapping in a 90s American movie, that means final scene. That's what that tells me. There was like a point in the 90s where nearly every movie just ended with people clapping. <laughs> it was so weird. Is that a thing? Like here, fraternity thing? Like you give give a girl your letters? Christina? Yeah. It is a thing? Mm-hmm. Did any boy ever give you his letters? Yeah. But like... Really? Really. I got, I got like, like ring, a ring. You know, they give you their ring. Oh, wow. But you could also like... Guys also give girls their jackets. Ah, uh, yeah. That's what uh, Bethany was yeah. saying. The um, Letterman jackets, right? Yeah. Or the Different ring, world. their class ring. Or That's so funny. America. Different world. Yeah. <laughs> it's always like, it's like this cartoon that you don't believe is real <laughs> until you talk to people. You're like, oh, wow. Okay. I could imagine. But that was in high like school. I, I guess college is the same. I never went to college, so I don't know. I could imagine a parody Shows. version where, like, I give you my my letters, Al, and I put the necklace around you, and it's just K-N-O-B. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. 
<laughs> so we see an interview where Tori Spelling is playing Sidney Prescott in the Stab movies. Living up to what? They, I mean, God bless her for doing this, right? Considering they basically badmouthed her in the first film. It's like, no, my yeah. luck. Probably Tori Spelling would play me. So funny. They say, uh, we don't see it, but they say Dewey is played by David Schwimmer. I love and it. And we yet get to see Luke Wilson playing Billy Loomis. I love Pretty this amazing. bit. And I love Luke Wilson's <laughs> doing, doing so Billy. So amazing. It's... it's it's identical. <laughs> it's what I want to know is, did, what I want to know is, did they realize that that scene was bad in the first one? So that's why they chose to redo that one as bad, because like he really like hits his head. Like, oh, I'm such a doofus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's because like that scene was terrible in the first film. So I just want to yeah. know, like, did they recognize that that's bad? I think um, they did. I think they did because they like <laughs> they because Luke Wilson plays it up as well with with no subtlety. Like that he's the killer. Like he does it exactly the same. It's it's awesome. And I also just found out this scene and some of the other scenes of Stab, but not all of them, were directed by Robert Rodriguez. Really? Amazing. Oh. I love that. It's like you really you're gonna bring him in to shoot two people talking in a hallway. <laughs> At least give him some action. I wish that they had made the whole film of Stab. Oh, yeah, I totally want to watch this movie. <laughs> I want to watch basically Scream again, but not quite as good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's really what I would love to fucking see that. Um, so, Dewey and Randy are chatting sequel rules. Number one, body count, got to be bigger. Alex, you'll let us know by the end of the movie if they fulfilled that. Yes, I will. Number two, death scenes, more elaborate. Hmm? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so I, I think so. I guess so. Mildly. I mean, I'm not going to say more effective, but more elaborate. Um, and number three, I love this. He says, if you want it to become a franchise, never, ever, and then he gets cut off. Yeah. And we never learn what that rule is. What do you reckon? If you want it to become a franchise. I thought never. I saw, I thought I read it somewhere that it was meant to be, you never, ever. Oh, wait, what was it? I have to see if I can find it. I had it this okay. morning. I'll keep chatting. You have a look. Yeah. Yeah. So here they lay out the rule. Like it could be Derek, could be Mickey, Ollie Fantastic, could be Randy, could be Dewey, could be Hallie, Haley, whatever, Sid's roommate, could be Gail Weathers. And this is where we get the line of what's with the limp? You were stabbed in the back. Um, Dewey's <laughs> fucking terrible in this scene. He's so bad in this scene. <laughs> and then Gail's cameraman turns up to Gail. He's just read what happened in her book with her last cameraman. So he's not happy. Not happy <laughs> he's the only smart one in this whole movie. He's great. I really love him. I wish there was more of him. So I found that line. So the third rule actually appears in the trailer. Hmm. Which really? is, uh, yeah, and number three, never ever under any circumstance assume that the killer is dead. Hmm. Is that, but that's not, okay. But that wouldn't be to make it a franchise. Did they change it then? They must have done different ones. Yeah. Uh, what does it say here? No, all the same, the scenes are... Yeah, I don't know. It just it okay. still has the same three, yeah. Well, I just feel Kevin, Kevin Williamson has a secret little thing for like, okay, if we want to make keep these films going, here's the rule, but I'm not going to tell people what it is because then, mm -hmm. then they'll know my formula. <laughs> We're at theatre rehearsal. We get a new suspect now thrown in, I think. Don't you think? Sid's English drama teacher because he seems a bit creepy. Yes. So she's trying to quit the role of Cassandra. <laughs> 
Christine is very excited. Um, but he tells her that art is the way to deal with what's happening. So they, they do the third act of this play. Now, fucking come on. Seriously? Doing a play, which, you know, they love in these slashes. It's been a trope since Halloween to have them learning stuff in school that is a reflection and a metaphor for what they're learning in the film. That's fine. I'm fine yeah. with that. I'm playing Cassandra, fine with. But doing the end of the third act, when she's saying, no, I can't do this. I'm too scared, basically. And it's men in greek robes sad greek tragedy masks you can't see anyone tumbling prop rocks smoke they all have fucking knives trying to stab her it's like no no one in their right mind would let her do this not for a second yeah this really bothered me yes but you have a master british director and you must go along with your art sydney it's fucking crazy (laughs) <laughs> and then she sees one of them as Ghostface, of course, because she's freaking out. And yep. I see what I see, Alex. I don't know if you get a call back to one of our previous franchises. Go over to weirdgeeks.com and listen to our Nightmare on Elm Street. But where's Craven's love for ancient Greece here? Like the end of New Nightmare. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah. Mm. And call outs to the falling rocks, the ancient yep. Greek pillars, the smoke, like all that stuff. Well, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about the Derek end of New Nightmare. Derek turns up yes. and she tells him, you know what? I need some distance. He looks Hello. heartbroken. He I sang her a song. Out of tune and everything. People clapped. Gave her his letters. It's not enough, Al. It's just not enough. Christina, the guy who gave you his ring, did you then tell him you needed some space? Yeah. <laughs> was that the thing that did it? Or was it the ring? It's too much. Too much. Gail, Dewey, Randy, and the cameraman, they're all hanging out, chatting in the quad. And this is where we get, for me, a shocker of the scene. And every time I watch the movie, it shocks me because somehow i always forget that randy fucking dies in this movie <laughs> every time i always think we randy's just it. there yeah i he didn't think he was stayed. gonna die no that's sad that was sad but wait they get wasn't the copycat going off the list of kids that died in the first one yeah but also trying the to names. finish the job I see, okay. Oh, so has he already replicated all the people who died in the first one? Because that would be the only reason you'd move on. You'd replicate all the deaths in the first one. You know what? I don't really know. Someone should go and check that (laughs) stuff out. (laughs) It should probably be our job, but you know. But that's what it'd be, right? Right? You kill the people with the same names, and then you get to the end of that. He's only killed how many people, Alex? Three? Yeah, three at this point, yep. Mm Mm-hmm. I know more than that killed, weren't there, in the original? For sure. There were eight total kills, but that... The eight kills in the first scream also include Billy and Stuart. Okay, let's strip them out. Six. So, so we- and then, okay, and then, so I've got eight kills, but that also includes Maureen, the mom, so that's backstory. Okay, so five. the people that die are Stephen, Casey, Principal Arthur Hembury, oh, yeah. Tatum, mm. and Kenny, the uh, cameraman. So we need a Tatum and a Kenny to go. And yep. then we can get to a Randy. We need two more deaths. And we need an Arthur. Well, we've had three deaths, so I'm presuming Sarah Michelle Geller's CC character is CC Arthur or something then. Because no, they're playing C- off C. first C. names Cooper. and second names. Yeah, none of it makes sense. What's his name? <laughs> Arthur Cooper? <laughs> no, his name was Arthur Himbury. Oh, it's all falling apart. Yeah, wasn't, falling it, apart. wasn't it CC's first name that was C- uh, CC's the copy? First name, yeah, CC's first name was Casey. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. Who knows? It's a fucking mess. It's a fucking it's a, mess. It is a mess. 
We do have this cool throwaway line, though, because there are all these nude pictures of, of um, Courtney Cox going around, fakes at the time on the internet. So they have this line about the fake nudes of Gail Weathers. And then she said the nude pictures were just my head. It was Jennifer Aniston's body. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll be That's there why. for you. <laughs> Pretty great. Uh, so then the cameraman goes to get a coffee, and then Ghostface rings Randy, Dewey, and Gail. Yeah. So, Randy fucking down in this scene. Really upsetting. I like the scene. I like how they're like they're all running around trying to find who this Ghostface killer is. They're looking for someone who's on a cellular telephone because there won't be many of those. Yeah. Uh, just tackling people to the ground. I like when Dewey just jumps over the wall. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then Randy, I like it when he's like, he gets personally upset about stuff. I like his fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> he does just. I liked the build um, up, but I felt that the kill itself wasn't necessarily like satisfying or no. interesting. Well, there's a shaking van and then some people with a fucking ghetto blast that just walk by. And then Ghostface noticing his uh, reflection in the side mirror. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Ghostface, is, he enjoys the... Uh, yeah, he keeps looking at himself. Um, and Courtney Cox can't scream very good. That's what I learned here. Because they yep. find a body. She screams. Not great. <laughs> yeah, the, the three reactions upset. when they opened the vans, I thought were pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> Dewey doing the old quiver. The old squinty <laughs> yeah, quiver. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. But I am very... I, honestly, I don't want Randy to go. He's annoying me more in this one than he did the first one, but I like Randy, and I think he's necessary. He's the comedy for me. Like, I'd rather keep him than Dewey in terms of... Because he makes sense. You know, he's telling yeah. us the rules. Yeah. But no. Yeah, and I, and I like the idea that... I mean, they don't play it up as much... Well, I don't think they do at all in this. Like, his kind of crush on Sydney. I wish they had played that up a bit more. Yeah, they only did it, like, he for the it beginning once. just once. Yeah. yeah. And I, li- I like that as a kind of backstory and that he's sort of... He truly is this kind of innocent victim kind of getting caught up in this in this mess. Yeah. Completely. But it's a shame. He died. So we're at a campus library. Sydney gets an IM. Remember when you'd get IMs on your computers? Yeah. <laughs> yep. You're sitting in, ooh, someone likes me. Uh, and it just says, you're going to die tonight. Police can't save you. So then there's a big thing. Uh, detectives are detecting around the library to see if they can find who sent it. And then Cotton Weary turns up. Seems sort of nice enough at first and then gets all pressury on her. Uh, he wants Sid to come with him on Diane Sawyer. I not heard, heard that name in a long time. Uh, for a full hour on primetime, they get $10,000 each. She says no, so he starts to get all threatening. Thinks she, he deserves it since she did uh, falsely accuse him. Uh, but then the detectives come and grab him and take him in. Um, and then release him pretty much immediately. I love in the cop in this police station, I don't know if you guys know this, but in the background there are these photos of policemen <laughs> on like blank backgrounds, like green screens, but they're white. Just shaking hands with each other. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you did it. They looked like they were cut out. <laughs> oh, God. Look like art was something like shit. We need some photos in the background here. Go and yeah. put on a police uniform. Oh, the only place that's open is the sex shop. All right, throw one on. Yeah. <laughs> Take some photos. Yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> really funny. Stupid. Girl is hassled by the local woman again. Yeah. <laughs> because four times hasn't been enough. And then Joel, the cameraman, love it. He's just like, fuck this, I'm out. He just bails. Yeah, smart guy, man. He's been trying to bail. He, he needs a separate movie somewhere, right? <laughs> like, 
Gail feels bad. She realizes the videos of crowd footage that Joel took could have the answer. Now, this is a real leap, isn't it? <laughs> They're hoping he did some coverage footage of some of the crowds at the crime scenes. They're presuming Ghostface would go back like most killers to like see the crime or whatever. So they want to go back and just look at them all. But how would they know? Like, are they just looking for if there's the same person at all these crime scenes? He's like, there. Yes. Something like that. And that's some a lot. Kind of that's pattern. days of looking. Like, that's a lot of stuff to look at. Well, that's why they get bored and decide to make and, out instead. Yeah. <laughs> and true. have sex. But not. I love this. They go to the film school and Dewey has a torch. It's like, just turn on the light. <laughs> There's no one else there. No, he's a, he's a hardened detective. Talk? He's a hardened detective. <laughs> so they use a TV and a VCR in a seminar room. Again, you couldn't write these scenes anymore. They'll just be, oh, we've got the footage. Let's just look at it on the laptop right here. Mm-hmm. Nope. Now they've got to go find a VCR. And then they just start making out. And then the footage changes to the footage taken by the killer of the victim. So we're getting a little seed here of moving into more meta stuff than postmodern, where we're going to get into the digital age of the mm-hmm. killers filming his own stuff. Because we don't see any evidence of this at any other point, do we? No. No. We don't. But he is filming his victims. But then how um, would he even know that they were going to go in that room? And how did he know that he was going to have the opportunity to project that shit at that moment would. for them? Yeah. Because then he cuts the live footage of them. So yeah, this is like, this is a serious AV club nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He has to set up, he has to know they're using this one, he has to hack into it, he's got to set up live footage cams, like, yeah, you're right, Christina. Makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And he would never know that they're going to go there. Because it's such a stupid thing to decide anyway. It's like, oh, let's go look at the footage of all these crowds. Maybe he's just (laughs) had it wired up for for years, just been waiting. (laughs) So yeah, they see Ghostface, and then Dewey falls down some stairs like an idiot. So Gail goes and hides in a sound booth. Now this is maybe my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, me too. I really like this whole sequence. That was really good. I think they could do more with it still. And sad. But, but it's cool. <laughs> is it sad though? There's nothing bad really I still didn't want Dewey to die, you know? Oh, I did. <laughs> I did like, not. this wasn't... Um, it wasn't necessarily scary, but it, it felt the most, like the stakes felt the, the highest. It, it felt, I don't know, there was a good tension. Suspenseful. I liked it. It was really cool. Well, it was, and it was, a, it was a set piece. Like they had an idea and that's what like the best slasher films have a yeah. good idea. You know, like you have a scene where you have a cool idea and you can play with something and they're really playing with yeah, these sound booths here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where they can't where, hear each other. And it's, it's really cool. I love that. I still, yeah, you could do a lot more with it. And I think yeah. actually... If I'm not mistaken, they do a lot more with it in Urban Legend, where they kind of rip it off and, and do their own thing. But yeah, it's cool. Dewey gets bloodied up against the window, and obviously he has to have an over-the-top, ridiculous potential death scene. But this motherfucker just won't go down. <laughs> Indestructible Dewey. He's like the Terminator. Yeah. So Sydney and her roommate are then taken away by her detectives, leaving Derek on campus... And he's then taken by his fraternity brothers. So, this is another one of my favorite scenes. So Ghostface pops out of nowhere and kills the detective bodyguards and then starts driving the two girls and then crashes. So there's a slight... And this has a slight echo of I Know What You Did Last Summer where Sarah Michelle Gellar's taken away by a detective because she's just witnessed her boyfriend Ryan Felipe's uh, murder uh, during the beauty pageant. 
and he drives down an alley and is stopped by Ben Wallace or whatever his name is. And it's the same thing. Like she's trapped in the, she's locked in the back of the oh, police yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that scene. Are you trying to say Kevin Williamson is just recycling the same ideas this year? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they crashed. Ghostface is in the driving seat. See, I never, I'll be honest. I don't, I never like seeing my slasher villains driving cars. <laughs> just particularly in full costume. Scooby-Doo. This is Scooby-Doo, that driving car. It is Scooby-Doo. But I like the setup it gives us, which is very contrived. But he's seemingly unconscious. We can't tell because he's wearing a mask. And we get this cool scene where they're trying to break out, but they can't through the doors. So they have to pull down like the police wiring between the front seat and the back seat. And then crawl across Ghostface to get out the window next to him. Wait, rewind Um, a second. What about cop that gets his head impaled? When they oh, crash, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And then his oh, hand God. is twitching on his gun as he's like, as he dies. Was oh, it really? I missed that. I yeah. Missed that. So, so he's on the front of the car trying to get a shot off at at Ghostface who's driving, who then crashes into some construction work. A big metal beam goes through the cop's head, um, and then it like has a, a shot on his hand on his gun with his his hand like twitching. I missed the twitchy. Oh yeah, also actually, so we just lost officers Andrews and Richards, and apparently their names are references to the ch- two child actors in the original Halloween. Kevin Williamson is still getting nods in to the original Halloween. So that's Kill cool. 5 and 6. So we're, near, we're already nearing, I mean we've on screen seen as many almost as the first yep. film. Yep. Okay, but if you guys were those two girls in that cop car... Okay, I'm there, I'm thinking about it. Would, yep. would you do exactly what they did? Or well, would you try do? to find... You'd try to find his knife and kill him. Yeah, I'll be honest. What I'd yeah. probably do is squish his head. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would get whatever there is. Like, if you're breaking off the bit in between the front and the back seat, I'd maybe use a bit of that metal and like poke it for his brain. But <laughs> he obviously still had that knife. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to feel his body up, though. To, like If... Or if you had noticed the gun on the uh, front of the car, you could have shot him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you would try and, you would try and kill him. I would 100% take the mask off straight away. Yes. Me too. So you know when he's awake or not. Yeah. Because that's the scary thing is just not knowing if his eyes are open underneath that mask. Yeah. Yeah. Say, okay, I got two things. So would you guys have pulled the, the metal thing and climbed through the front? Or as in... As what she does in I Know What You Did Last Summer, she smashes the the back window and crawls out the back window. What but is it that? like a bulletproof window? Is that why they can't smash it? Yeah. I well, don't know if you can she, in real police cars. Well, I mean, maybe it Sarah depends Michelle what Gallagher town did. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's it. <laughs> the bit that I thought was funny is when uh, Sydney's climbing over him, she bumps the horn, and it sounds like a mm. truck horn. It's just like... <laughs> <"Burr, there> it <laughs> <is."> <laughs> it's a huge fucking horn. <laughs> Uh, but I, like, I do like this you know i do remember in the cinemas this was the only tense bit for me like yeah. i like the sound bit uh the soundproof scene before from the concept of it but this was tenser yeah this was um, really tense um but she gets out and i like this because then sid's roommate they're up on like other ends and then ghostface suddenly disappears from the car and then pops out miles like half a mile away <laughs> from behind a bin yeah how does that um, happen <laughs> But I mean, again, it could be two. Yeah. yeah. The other one's just been waiting behind that bin the whole time. <laughs> Knew that they're going <laughs> to crash at that point. It's all contrived. 
But yep, Sid's roommate killed. Now, this was a rewrite, but we're going to get to that mm. at the end of the movie. She wasn't originally going to die. Gail eventually emerges from hiding, I guess, um, and she runs into Cotton Weary, who has blood on his hands, but he claims, no, 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 I found Dewey, I found Dewey. So Gail runs outside and into, yet again, the local fucking woman news reporter, and Gail thinks the killer is Cotton Weary. Meanwhile, in the theatre, someone has turned on the music. So Sydney decides, that's where I should go. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. Surely there's better places you could go. But because yeah. there's music playing in there, she's like, all right, let's go to the theater. So Derek is all tied up in a sort of sexy pose thing. Half naked. Cut up. Is he cut up or are they just painted that onto him? They painted that onto him, right? Painted it onto yeah. him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, he's scarred for life <laughs> for giving <laughs> away his letters. <laughs> did, your boyfriend, did your boyfriend survive giving away the ring or was he beaten up? Was he hazed? Oh, I don't think you... We didn't get in trouble for that, you know? It wasn't, like, a thing. It's like, I don't know. I never heard from him again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe in college... Maybe in college, because it's a fraternity, it is. See, this is not, like, letters of a fraternity. It's, like, it's your your class class letters, you know? If you're on football, that's... Or a sport. And that's how you have the Letterman jacket. Christina never saw him again, but he's still tied up in in the theater. (laughs) He's just waiting. He's like, don't worry, my love will rescue me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I hope he's listening to this. (laughs) Derek is tied up. Ghostface turns up and reveals himself pretty quickly as Mickey. That dude that you sort of almost forgot was there, but when you see it's him, you're like, oh yeah, of course it's him. Right? That old guy. Yeah. It's not really a surprise. He's the only guy who looks vaguely evil. Mm Mm-hmm. And he says that Derek is his partner. So there's this whole thing between like, yep. is Derek in on it as well? She doesn't know who to believe. She's all confused. And then he shoots Derek. And I have to say, there's something about this bare chest and the big bullet wound that I find yeah. really horrible. It really <laughs> stood out. Yeah. Upset, it upset me. I think yeah. that's the nastiest bit. No, and the ear. Says, the ear. It's still the ear. The ear? Really? Oh, the beginning? Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. So he says his plan is he's going to blame the movies. Um, but then Sydney uses Derek's little fraternity necklace. Oh, that's <laughs> not believable. <laughs> to just like whip him in the face <laughs> with this little tiny necklace. No. And then manages to get the gun out of his hand and they have a little fight. And then Ghostface 2 shows up with Gale held hostage. So we've got everyone together. We've got Gale. We've got, uh, what's his face? All the Fantastic. We've got mm-hmm. Sydney. We've got Derek is now dead. And then we have Ghostface 2. Who turns out, it is the local, who thought it? The local news reporter, who turns out to be Mrs. Loomis, Billy's mother from the first film. Um, she's very upset about things. I'm presuming she didn't used to be crazy. I'm presuming the death of her son just pushed her into crazy territory. No, right? no, she seems no. She was mental. always crazy. Oh, really? Why do you think that? She just seems like it. Because <laughs> she, well, she oh. does seem that way. She yeah. seems fucking insane. But she may not have turned until the death of Billy. And obviously the effect of her... I'm sure the breakdown of her marriage because of Sydney's mum. Mm. Lots of resentment. Stoinking Mr. Loomis. <laughs> stoinking. <laughs> All the 90s words. <laughs> Shagging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
She kills Mickey. Now, again, mistake from the first film, people, is if you've got this great plan and then we're going to cut ourselves up so it looks like, you know, we were survivors, cut yourself up after you've killed the people you need to kill, right? You know, you don't harm yeah. each other and your partner. Mistake here. Don't kill your fucking partner in crime before you finished the job. Mm-hmm. Like, kill the others and then kill Mickey. Yeah. yeah. Mistake. So just to clarify everything, she wanted, oh, well, she says that. It's a simple, she says, doesn't she? It's like, it's just plain and simple revenge for her. But she, uh, but Mickey wanted fame from the trial and all that sort of stuff. So he was, she hired him to do the killings, right? Yeah. Is it that we can assume that he was always Ghostface or did she assume the ghost face identity at points throughout that story. I would say it's majority him. Yeah. Okay. But she does come out like, yeah, I think, I think she definitely wore it at points, but mm-hmm. I would say then, because like, for instance, all right, if we're following that, I mean, <laughs> let's not go down too much with the logic of this, but for instance, <laughs> the one where we see Ghostface coming in as an actor CC and she's on the phone. So we know that there's the two ghost faces uh, operating at that point. The one on the phone is using a voice changer, but it's a male voice, right? Yeah. So that means it has to be her who's the ghost face who kills Cece. That's what I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that means she has the uh, physical ability to throw a woman over a balcony. Yeah, yeah. and through a window. Yeah. 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 Don't know. I don't know. She accidentally shoots Gail and then explains her plan, as Alex was just saying, with some enormous of acting like yeah if i thought david arquette had no subtlety this lady in this final scene oh man just incredible overacting i liked it (laughs) (laughs) i fucking i hate it so much it's so scooby-doo i hate it so much her her eyes are so wide it's Mm -hmm. so fucking wide and then when she just keeps hiding behind gail you know she keeps like saying stuff and then ducking back in behind oh i hate it Yes, all right, so this sort of fight breaks out, basically. There's this massive Frankenstein-looking control deck for the backstage of the theater. Yeah. (laughs) It's ridiculous. And then Mrs. Loomis gets Sydney hostage, and then Cotton Weary turns up, and Cotton Weary's got his gun pulled, and he's basically seeming like he could go along with Mrs. Loomis because she can get him fame. All he wants is fame. Mm -hmm. That's it, right? He just wants fame. And she tells him that if he lets her kill Sydney, then he'll be the only survivor and he'll be the star. So then there's some thinly veiled barter between Sydney and him about the Diane Sawyer interview, which for some reason Mrs. Loomis doesn't pick up on. <laughs> <laughs> and then Gail's still alive, apparently. She didn't die. Yeah, no, um, I didn't think so. And they just ask her, are you all right? And she says, I've been shot. Of course I'm not. But she seems fine. She just like crawls yeah. up from the from the like. But like, didn't it just like skim her? Like it didn't go in. But she's been shot. Like she's literally just like, oh, I've been shot. Of course I'm not all right. And then just continues to act all right for the rest. Of the movie. <laughs> so wait, who was we- who was it that get? Are uh, you maybe getting up to this? But someone gets crushed mm-hmm. by the stone set, and not to sound like a theater pretentious snob. I know. Aren't they made out of foam? Yeah, exactly. You're not going to yeah. get crushed by prop stones. <laughs> no, it's polystyrene or foam. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not. You're absolutely not. I know. It's ridiculous. I thought about that too. 
<laughs> it's just really funny. <laughs> I'm sorry, the end of this movie is really stupid. Like, it's really stupid. None of this it's works so for me. It's so Scooby-Doo. I have this problems Hobbit. with the first one when they reveal themselves, but at least they had a good plan and having fun with it, and the violence mm-hmm. they do to each other is nasty. Yeah. This is just so, yeah, so dumb. Yeah, that's true. That was nasty at the end. And then we get real some misdirection because they think Mrs. Loomis is going to come back to life, but no, it's Mickey. <laughs> he just comes back like a wailing banshee. So they shoot him. And, and guess then, who else is still alive? <laughs> wait, before you even get to that, she shoots Mickey when he comes back to life. And yep. then just to make sure, she shoots Mrs. Loomis in the head. Oh, Which yeah, you she should. Does. You should. Yeah, yeah, I'm with that. I yeah. think you should. I think you should all these people in every Be safe, appendage. man. Better safe than sorry. <laughs> Crazy. So yeah, guess who else is still alive? Fucking Dewey. <laughs> I cannot believe he's still alive. I mean, that, was, that was a brutal, brutal stabbing. But I guess it, it happens. Times, yeah, yeah, he's fine. I know. Oh, it was from the scar tissue. If he didn't have all that scar tissue, he would have died. That's what they said. The scar <laughs> tissue protected him. Is that Someone what they say? Says, yeah. Do they say mm-hmm. that? Something Fuck. about the scar tissue, yeah. <laughs> Someone literally says, I can't believe you're alive. I was like, no, none of us can. This is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> scar tissue, Al, scar tissue. It's a running joke. It's a running joke. And my problem scar is, tissue. is that <laughs> Kevin Williamson is writing this stuff like, well, look, if I put in someone saying, I can't believe you're alive, then it's fine. If I put in someone saying to Gail, are you all right? She's saying, I've been shot. Of course I'm not. Then it's fine. It's like, no, it doesn't make it okay just to say what we're thinking. Was, um... At the time, you probably remember this better than either of us, Al, but was, was Dewey really popular so coming off the back of the first film and then into this one? Like was, he already, like, was there a sense of him being a fan favorite and therefore wanting to retain him? Was it just purely contractual? What was- People, no, people loved him for sure. And I think like they said in the first one, test screenings loved him. So that's why they kept him alive when he was meant to die in that one. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you have the audience and then you have the audience. Like, I understand why they're doing it from a business point of view. Like, these movies, yeah. I would argue, like I did last week, are increasingly becoming cartoonish and playing more to the mass audience, which, yeah, they don't want to see him die. But the horror audience, you want to see consequence, you know? Yeah, You want to see not just a body count, but you want to know that these scenes matter. And, yeah, people get really angry. People get really angry with that. And it happens in most of these 90s movies. We talked last week about... I know what you did last summer. I think that one's pretty... I mean, you can correct us if we're wrong. Don't go into spoilers, but I feel they follow through on most of the deaths in that movie, do they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. My favorite... Yeah, my favorite H2O, Halloween 7. That one they don't with one of them, and that's for a reason we'll get to when we get to that series. Um, but yeah, they did that a lot in the 90s. You think someone's dead? Like, no, they're fine, because people like mm-hmm. them. Annoying. <laughs> So then they head on outside, all the press run up to Sydney. She tells them, you know what, go talk to Cotton. He's the real hero. He looks at her like, oh, and to think I nearly shot you five minutes ago. <laughs> now we're friends. Because he's a fucking dick, right? Like he was, he, he was going to shoot her. No, and then he like, wasn't. I don't believe totally that. Was. I believe that he was trying to play it off like he was going to shoot her so that he had the opportunity to shoot uh, the killer unexpectedly. No. Yeah. So, leading up to this, before we started this film, I, in my memory, was like, Cotton's the killer. He is definitely going to be revealed as the killer. No. But then he wasn't. But I was reading about the leaks that you were talking about before, Al. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. did you mention this, that 
I'm in about the to leagues. get into it now. Okay, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you do that. No, no, you can do it if you want. No, so yeah, in the leaks, uh, there in the original uh, script, there were going to be four killers. Am I correct? Four killers. Yeah. And so yeah, this is what we've been leading up to. So they were going to be the mother was the only one that was the same. Mm-hmm. Other than that, we had yeah, boyfriend Derek was going to be a killer, Cotton Weary, and her roommate. Which is why, for me, throughout the film, oh. I kept feeling like her roommate was going to be one of the killers. Uh, because that is Wait, what he was originally gearing up Roommate, for. Cotton Weary, reporter. Her boyfriend. And her boyfriend? Yep. Which is why this ending's a fucking mess. Because you can tell there are bits left over from the original script before he changed stuff around. Yep. And uh. you could totally tell with Cotton Weary, they don't know how to play him. Because, yeah, in this last scene, he's very confusing. Because he clearly seems like he's genuinely considering... He's wrapped up in that thought of fame for a second. That's how I interpret it. And then he suddenly breaks out of that bubble, kills the reporter, and then immediately you see him sort of break character and he seems sort of shocked with himself. And he's like, oh, I wasn't actually going to do... I, I wasn't going to do that, Sydney. Not for a second, but I hurt you kind of thing. And I feel like he's like caught in this... He does get caught up in the fame of stuff and he would have actually shot her. I do think he would have might have shot her and then regretted it afterwards. But, you know, I think no. there was a bad side to him because that's how it was originally written in this movie. I have faith in him. So I'm just looking at the wiki page here. And in 2017, Kevin Williamson claimed that the leaked script was a dummy draft that was created specifically to avoid leaked details. And he claimed that Mm. there were three dummy endings written. He said, uh, and quoting him, they were worried the killer's identity would be leaked. So we wrote several endings, three in all, if memory serves. And when actors and potential crew members asked to read the script, we would send the script with a dummy ending. There was even a fake ending where Dewey was the killer. They existed as a decoy and nothing more. Extreme measures, but we really wanted to keep the killer's identity a secret. I'm calling Mm. bullshit. That's totally what you would do now, or maybe for part three, that would be totally what they do. But you know what you don't do if that's true? You're not still writing a script when you're in production. <laughs> because there are reports from the crew, crew cast that, it, that they were still getting, like, it was still being written when it was being shot. Mm-hmm. So if you'd written three endings, I don't believe that. And plus, it makes the, like, the four killer ending, like, that's upping the ante, right? Like, where do you go from two killers? Going to four killers. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. one of them's got a personal reason. One's a boyfriend, roommate, getting fucking everybody in on it. Cotton weary. That would be an insane ending. I that don't know if it would be insane. better or not, but it would be insane. But instead, what we get here for me, I'm in a huge letdown. Like, I remember being so bummed out when I got to this ending because it's like, okay, it's two killers again, just two. Not, I would have even preferred if it was just one, you know? Uh, yeah. But it's two killers. One of them's just the crazy guy for no reason, again, who's basically like a cross between Billy Loomis and Matthew Lillard from the first one. And then we have a mother with a good reason. I like that. I like that it ties into original. I like that she's got a reason. But she's just so over the top for me. Like, she's not only not scary, like all these people are when they take their masks off. She's also just... I just don't believe it. Like, the acting's just so over the top. I find this ending a fucking mess. I really do. Like, just people shooting each other, then they're back alive again, then they're not, and they don't know who to... It's, I don't. It doesn't work for me. Yeah, I feel the same. <laughs> it was very messy. <laughs> a very Scooby-Doo-ish. One point I do want to make, though, is so we, with, with Mickey's character, we have... A young man who's influenced by the first or the story of the first one and wants to do these copycat murders for for fame and infamy. Now, I don't know, and maybe you're going to get into this, Al. I don't know if it was after this film or before, but there were controversies, real life controversies of people citing Mm -hmm. these films as 
uh, influences in copycat style murders. Yeah. Just pretty crazy. Yeah. No, it is. Particularly, and particularly the cycle, since this was based loosely on a real life thing anyway. Or inspired, you know, from real life murders. But, you know, but then also you get the media hype that, not discounting those, but you also get the media hype. I find with a lot of horror films, we spoke about it when we did the Chucky podcast of, of like the media really latching onto that sense of like these films are direct influences well, to, to yeah, people. A politician will latch onto it and then the media will latch onto it and then it becomes, yeah, a big, a big thing. And again, like far be it from us to decide how much people are affected by, by things. But there have been, you know, so many scientific studies that prove it both ways. Um, I think the majority mm-hmm. of them tend to prove it more that the people who are influenced by this stuff would do things anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, far be it from us to decide. But yeah, it does make it tricky when you're writing stuff that is this this postmodern and is kind of self-reflective on those kind of events. Yeah. Yeah. Difficult line. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, head outside. She tells them, go and chat to, to Conway. And then they all run over to him and then he just says, I'll tell you one thing gonna make one hell of a movie and then we get some <laughs> some great cheesy 90s rock i think it's uh fuck i've forgotten the name of the band i was listening to it yesterday i like this song uh called a song called she said and that's it end of the movie um i did forget to mention matthew lillard i said was in this film oh yeah he Where? did return he's he's in the background of the frat party near the beginning weird because he just turned up to set and they were like hey go and get in get in there and you can see him out of focus a little bit, but he's there. In the background. <laughs> That's cool. So still alive. His character could still be still alive. Yeah. Maybe he had a twin brother that nobody knew about. <laughs> oh, I like it. Identical twins. But wasn't it weird that like after all of that, at the end, she just like walks into the I don't know into the onto the grass. Like no police. Go up to her. Nobody's checking to see if she's okay. <laughs> Nobody's asking her questions, as in the police. You know, no. She just yes. goes and walks away. <laughs> yes, back to the dorm. <laughs> Let's be clear. Nearly everything that happens in this entire film is very weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> not much of this really. Like, I feel the first film is crazy, but it, there's some groundings to it. This one is just fucking off the map. <laughs> yep. Also, at the original ending, not only had four killers, but then we actually were meant to have. So, you know, we get that, that sort of helicopter dolly sort of shot out and we see the full campus. We were meant to have Ghostface watching over from the campus's bell tower. Ooh. Now you might ask, you might ask, how? How could he have a ghost face then? They're all dead. Well, it was meant to be leading in because they knew they were going to be wanting to do a third one to the next film. To show that the one, at least one of the killers from the next film was going to be already around in scream 2 um, yeah because i it. guess i guess uh his mom could have had another accomplice that guy didn't know about well you we won't get I mean? into it yet we won't get into it yet maybe but that's the third part three film, the third film but i would have preferred that i would have liked to have seen yeah and don't do too much research into that stuff because obviously it'll spoil the killer for the third one but i would have liked to have seen ghostface there at the end something like that just you're like oh shit okay there's something else happening something else is mm-hmm. still going on it wasn't just about that stupid ending that I just saw. That would have made me happy. And my absolute... All right, so when I was researching this film, my absolute favorite bit of trivia that I found out about this movie was this movie was scheduled to open alongside Tomorrow Never Dies, 
the James Bond film we're talking about, and a little film called Titanic. Now, Tomorrow Never Dies and Titanic were so scared about opening next to Scream that they both changed their dates. Titanic <laughs> moved its opening date so as not to coincide with Scream 2. Fucking crazy. That's insane. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I think that is about all the interesting trivia. Do you got anything else, Alex? So the total, til- uh, the total kill count in the end was 10. Okay. Which was only two more than Scream 1. <laughs> but it's all on screen in this one, isn't it? All on screen, yeah. So we had the only one that wasn't on screen in the first one was um, the mother, Maureen. But everything else was on okay. screen. But yeah, all of these kills were on screen. So we are going up gradually. A little bit extra. We need even more in three. That's what we're hoping for. Mm-hmm. Blood buff. All right. So, guys, that was Scream 2. I want to know if you guys enjoyed it. And what do you want from a Scream 3? Alexander Oh, Joe, and actually, wait. And so on the list that I'm looking at, we were talking about who the killer was. So mm-hmm. it says that Mickey as Ghostface killed them all except Randy, who was killed by Mrs. Loomis. Incorrect. In the van. <laughs> Incorrect. Cece has to have been killed by her. Yeah, I don't know. How does it come to that conclusion? conclusion? Yeah. Do not know. It doesn't say. It just says Ghostface <laughs> Mrs. Loomis. There you go. We have been... It's just... But it's is that big, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Alexander, tell me, my friend, how did you feel about Scream 2? And what, what do you want from a 3? Because you have seen 3, you said, as well, but it's, you're very foggy with that one. I'm very foggy with this, this whole franchise. Like, there's all Excellent. these bits that keep coming back, so... It's great. great. <laughs> it's fun to explore. So, yeah, so what did I feel about this film? You know, I'm really glad that I watched I Know What You Did last summer, purely as a reference because it's Kevin Williamson as well, although it was based off a book. Is that right? That he adapted? Yeah. Yeah. But it was a good reference coming off the back of screen, watching that, and then these two films coming out at the same time. And yeah, first of all, I Know What You Did last summer is a very... It just feels like a much more concise, clean teen slasher film. Like it just getting from A to B is very clear. There's still those sort of like red herring elements, like playing in that sort of whodunit style. But there's a very kind of clear sort of line through the narrative. And it's it's not as goofy. And yeah, and this this I guess fulfills that sort of that idea about what a sequel should be. It like pushes the envelope, goes a bit further. And, you know, if you've listened to the two other retrospectives I've done, uh, Child's Play and Nightmare on Elm Street, I've recommended the goofy, cartoony sequels. <laughs> I've, I've, yes, you fucking have. I have enjoyed some of them. I really liked Child's Play too. And this one, there were elements that I really liked. I liked the opening. I liked the film within the film. I thought that was kind of funny. I really liked the sound booth scene where Gail was getting chased. But overall, I, yeah, I didn't enjoy this nowhere near as much as Scream 1. I just felt it was a bit sort of, yeah, a bit too goofy, a bit too, like, just too illogical. Like, there was no logic. It just, they, were, they, they took too much license to just be like, cool, these are the characters we want to throw together. Like, it doesn't have, like, it didn't make sense in parts. And the ending was just too off the wall and too Scooby-Doo for me. To, to sort of really get behind and enjoy. But, you know, going through the history of the film and the production and the rewrites and whatever, like, 
it makes sense why it was it was all over the place. So yeah, it wasn't as good as a film as the first one by any means. Is it awful? It's not as awful as other sequels that I've seen. And, I've seen and it, Chucky. Were, you know, there were bits that I la- laughed at. I thought I thought David Arquette was just watch it just for his insane performance. It is just just I don't know what he's doing, and it, it just made me laugh <laughs> all the way through. I wouldn't give this like a definitive recommend. Go and watch it. It certainly doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't have the cultural resonance or importance as Scream One. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm not like I don't think it's god awful. I just don't think it's it's necessarily that that good. Where would I like to see it go next? I I really like Cotton Weary. <laughs> I like him. I like that name. I like his character. I want something with him. Whether he's Ghostface or not, but I like the name. I want more of the name. <laughs> I want more of the name Cotton. People just Weary. say his name a lot in the next. Yeah, film. If, if if the next film can be called Scream Three, Cotton Weary, <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah, Wearier. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's it's a funny film. I I I enjoyed it, but I don't necessarily think it was great. If that makes any sense. Yep, that does make sense. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but it was just like this isn't very like good in parts. But there were some solid ideas. But yeah, like now, I said, seeing that, seeing that beside, I know what you did last summer. If this was back in '97, I'd be like, I want to see the sequel too. I know what you did last summer, and I'd be less, quick. I'd be less fussed about seeing another Scream film. Well, you're in luck. They did a sequel. They did two sequels. One has Jack Black in it. Um, yep. Two very, two very quick questions then. Number one is how many killers do you want to see in the next screen? You know, I don't want it to be like this mass of killers. <laughs> yeah, I want a cult, a cult of Ghostface. I thought this film would just be one. I, I feel, I don't know if that would be, for me, if, it, if it's like, let's have more killers, then it just feels, again, as so much of this film feels like, just this deliberate push to go further. And I don't necessarily want that. I'd be happy just with one, with one killer. But I still like that idea of playing with the the twists and turns and red herrings. I like that 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 sort of style. But if it just turned out to be one, <laughs> or what if Sydney became Ghostface? Ooh, interesting. And my very final quick, very quick question for you. See if you can do this in just like two sentences. Yep. Uh, would you recommend? I know what you did last summer more or less than the first scream. Ooh. Since we're not doing no, a retrospective on that. Yeah. I would still recommend Scream. I okay. think it has greater importance to yeah, no, the I genre and the style. Okay, that's what I think I said last week. Is like, I prefer I Know What You Did Last Summer because it's more of a mm-hmm. straight horror film. But yep. Scream is more important, for sure. Yep. Yep. Christina Masterson, look at you. How are you doing? Tell us how you feel about this old Scream 2 thing and what you want a Scream 3 to be. Okay, so I was pretty excited to see Scream 2 because I loved Scream so much. And then also to realize that all of, you know, the living characters basically were in in the new one. I was stoked about that. There were some great moments, but it just wasn't as iconic as the first one. You know, it wasn't as suspenseful as the first one. It wasn't as exciting as the first one. But I still enjoyed it. I had fun watching it. I was just, I guess, a, a little disappointed, but whatever. <laughs> you get over it's it. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I still prefer 
I mean, I prefer the first one better. That one was just so good. Everything was so perfect. Even all the bad acting. <laughs> as you guys as you may, guys call, may it. call it. But uh Yeah. No, yeah, it was it, it's okay. It was yeah, okay. I think, it's so, gonna be, I think that's how it's, it's gonna be summed it was okay. up. Yeah, I think that's gonna be the interesting thing for me is when we get to the end of these, is how you guys place two, three, and four. Like I think that's it's gonna be shocking to me, but not impossible, that number one won't be your favorite one. But it's going to be like how these next three line up in order. Because it always changes, right? When you watch when you watch all the rest of them. Absolutely. So yeah, and the next one, I really don't know what to expect. I guess I was kind of right about the copycat. Yep. But I mean, what else? I mean, it's pretty obvious that that, I, you know, what other choices were there? This one, I feel like maybe, you know, I mean, you did, I... Were you mentioning that he was supposed to be in the Watchtower or something, like an, another uh, Scream face or White mm. Face? What what do you call it? Ghost face. <laughs> Ghost face. <laughs> <laughs> terribly inappropriate. <laughs> Whatever. They said that at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. They did. Mm. Which that scene was really cool. That was really good. It was a, it was a very strong opening. So maybe there was like another killer that we didn't know about that only the mother knew about. So maybe that killer will you know, finish the job. So the uh, second or, film could get better with the third film. I guess. I don't know if it'll get better. No, but, but I mean, uh, like, if there's more, there could be information in the third one that actually retroactively makes the second one a better movie because then... Yeah, you know, but I else only thought on. about that possibility when you said, okay. you know, that thing about the Watchtower. So, I mean, I guess that could it could go there. Or it could start off with a whole new set of teens, you know, at a whole new high school and a copycat doing it there you know well yeah i guess that's the question like do you both want nev back and then maybe well i do want the cast back but maybe it might start off there at another high school and then nev is brought in to you know help them solve it because she has i just uh, want to see because i want to see what further paralysis he has yeah to hear his theme (laughs) i do love all the cast i i love all of them who are left so i i would prefer to see them Again. I'm so glad that I now know that Broken Arrow is the way that theme tune came out, that it makes sense now. Finally, after like 20 fucking years, that theme tune makes sense to me. It makes me very happy. Um, I think we're all roughly on the same page, to be honest. Like, the thing that frustrates me most about Scream 2 is that, yeah, they, rule, they lay down these rules for sequels, and what they do is they adhere to the rule of a sequel of, it's not going to be as good as the first one. You know? Mm. We've seen all the best bits already. It's hard to surprise us. We know the formula. My problem is then the good bits of a horror sequel is yes, everything gets fucking crazier. There's more blood. There's more nudity. There's more twists. And I don't think there is in this one for me. Like, I understand what you're saying, Christina. Like, maybe you could argue, hmm, this scene might be a bit more brutal than that one from the last one. Or, mm-hmm. But I don't find anything here is as brutal to me as Drew Barrymore's death in the first one. Even them cutting themselves up at the end of the first movie makes me wince, you know? That's true. There's very little in this movie that's bloody. And that's my problem. It's like, sequels in horror films are about having more fun. And they kind of do, but I feel like they're having fun as a cast and a crew. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, like Alex is saying... Dewey bothered me in the first one. He's too over the top. He's way more over the top here, but I'm latching on to him because this movie's just silly. You know, Mm -hmm. this movie is silly. And so, all right, I'll have fun with them. But it's feeling less like a horror movie. You know, it's feeling more for me, yeah, like a comedy parody of itself. Um, And that's the worry is when you start postmodern, how many films away do you have to go before you're basically getting into what scary movie 
not the original version of this, but you know, the parody fucking for the spoof yeah. films here before you become that. It's not, you know, obviously it is quite a ways away, but it's like they're on that road of self parody. And that worries me. <laughs> yeah. And like the thing, sorry to interrupt, you know, close, but, and that's the thing also with Ghostface as a character, I think, is that as a director, it's very easy to make him. It can, it's so easy to go both ways with that character to make it sinister and scary, which I think there's elements of it in the sound booth scene, just how he's like peeking around corners and he's in the background, but then it's so easy to go cartoony with it. Yeah. And just like have him like yeah. creeping around and yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's my problem is like, yeah, I did this movie's fine. Like, you know, it's a 90 slasher movie and this is kind of sort of thing I you know, I think unfortunately most people think of a 90s slash movie. There aren't as many as you think in the 90s, to be honest. Like, there really aren't. So it's a shame that this one's not inventive enough. But I just think, honestly, it's talented people who didn't have enough time. That's how it feels to me. It feels like talented people who didn't have enough time. I do believe that link leak affected the script. And it just doesn't feel like it's all here. It doesn't feel like this is Kevin Williamson getting to do his best work. He's also writing on what he did last summer. The faculty, Dawson's Creek. Like, he's split in so many ways. It's rushed. That it I just don't think rushed. he got the focus. Yeah, it feels rushed. And Wes Craven's direction here, not as good. Like, it's just not as good at all. No. The tension isn't built as well. Um, the only scene for me is in the car scene where I think it's got a good build. It was fun to see all of those different people in it. Yeah, it is. But this is a problem. All right, we'll see where we get to next week with this stuff. But uh, like, when I'm talking about what I want from part three, my problem is I know exactly where it's going. And I'm not going to be completely down on that yet. I'm not going to reveal that. There might be some things I prefer about part three. But it makes it hard for me to say what I want. But for sure, what I know I wanted back in the late 90s was I wanted more horror. I wanted it to be to take itself a bit more seriously. And it's very hard for Scream to do at this stage. How does it pedal backwards? Very difficult. So I appreciate that problem. I'm going to tell you three things then about next week. No, you know, you know what? I'm not going to leave that right to the end. Because that's how I like to normally do it. Leave it to the end to tease you. Excellent. So everybody who listened to this, thank you very much for listening to it. We appreciate your support. You can head on over to wearegeeks.com, wearegeeks.com. Well, just head on to iTunes and type in We Are Geeks, and then please do subscribe. Please do rate. It helps us out. We do all this for free. There's no advertising. There's no commercials. There's no sponsorship. We're not doing Patreons or any of that bullshit, respectively bullshit, because we just want to give this to you for free. But please do support us then the only way you can by rating and subscribing. And you can also go back then and listen to all of our old We Are Geek shows. We did Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Child's Play, Hellraiser, Romero's Living Dead. We've done some Danny Boyle. We've done some Star Wars, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, other things. And we have a show just simply called Geeks that goes up whenever we feel about that we want to do it. And that talks about topical video games, topical movies, and our own personal lives. We are a production company. Hello. We are desolate and may run out of London, LA, and Tokyo. And we're making feature films. We just got a feature film called Starfish that's going into festivals right now. We'll be talking about that over on that podcast and on our own personal things as well. You can email us if you want to. Tell us a series you want us to cover. Mail at weirdgeeks.com. Mail at weirdgeeks.com. Or just head on to weirdgeeks.com and hit the mail button. I am Mr. Al White on all the social medias. M-R-A-L-W-H-I-T-E. And also on the Xbox if you want to play some video games. <laughs> Alexander Child's about to spell his name out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Alexander Child, A L E X A N D E R C H A R D. And Christina Masterson. I am at underscore hi Christina on Instagram and on Twitter. We will be back next Friday when we're going to talk about the original conclusion to this trilogy before they came back later for Scream 4. With Scream 3, we are going to have returning Wes Craven 
as director, as he will be for all four cool. of these movies. Oh, uh, we do wow. have a shake-up, however. Kevin Williamson is not writing part <gasps> three. So we That's have a weird. New Does writer. he write part four? We'll get to that when we get there. He was in the throes of Dawson Mania at this point, too I much, imagine. Too much. So he was involved, mm. but he did not write it. So that's the first thing mm. I want to break to you. Second thing I want to break to you, Alex. Cotton Weary will be coming back. You're welcome. Ah. I have a feeling my <laughs> memories are starting to unfog. And the third and final thing that I want to leave you with is we'll also get some uh, plenty of new faces, plenty of new guest stars. Of course, it's the Scream series. You've got to get those, those people in. Cameos, including Jay and Silent Bob. We'll be back next Friday. Until then, we are out. Geeks. Geeks. Geeks.